This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690, has been on the road quite a bit in year number one here in 2019, but never on the road like this. This is a little bit different as we are on a ship here at Naval Station Mayport, and this is a cool day for us And uh, as we salute to service uh, so many in the Jacksonville area and really across this great country and abroad, but... Uh, We do that in kind of relationship with the Jacksonville Jaguars today because we will have our TV show, Jaguars All Access, right here on the ship. This is called the USS Paul Ignatius. That's coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, and we will have our radio show from 3 until 6. And you can probably see some work being done on the TV show right behind us throughout if you're watching on the video platforms. And, yeah, you're going to have to deal with a little bit of a breeze. It's a breezy but uh, beautiful day. Here in Jacksonville, here at Naval Station Mayport, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, former Jags player, getting a lot of looks around here, man. They don't make these ships for the big and tall, you know. No, they don't. Uh, probably some of the most stress I've ever experienced was when we got a little tour of the ship. And uh, needless to say, when I was playing Call of Duty on my PlayStation, <laughs> they didn't really embellish just how short when, when you're fighting on a, on a battleship, how, how short everything is, where... Uh, I'd probably say 80% of the tour, Brent. I had to duck a little bit, so it was a little uncomfortable, man. But it just it, it gave me a fond respect for. I mean, I already have respect for what these guys do, but to, to you know to be in that closer quarters and um, everyone kind of have their own job. It, it was uh, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, in, in action. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, three three hundred uh, servicemen and women on this ship at one time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they've yet to be deployed. It's the, it's the newest ship newest of the fleet uh, in the Navy and here at Mayport. So uh, we will talk a little bit more about the USS Paul Ignatius as we continue and also about Salute to Service Month in the NFL and the Jaguars. And, and again, it leads into Jaguars All Access on the TV side tonight. Calais Campbell will be here. Chris Conley will be here. Uh, Miles Jack may even stop by as well as uh, he is the Salute to Service nominee for the Jacksonville Jaguars for his work with the military locally and w- with the uh, football team. So more on that coming up in a little bit. We're also going to talk sports. Uh, throughout the afternoon on a, on a breezy day here in Mayport. And uh, glad to have you along with us uh, on a Thursday. Rhino Haller will join us at 5 o'clock. We'll talk a little bit uh, about the rest of the NFL. And speaking of, we probably will talk about the new news just out. Miles Garrett, yeah. uh, his suspension upheld after an appeal. I will say this about the NFL. They move kind of quick on these appeals. And two of them already upheld. Marquise Pouncey's suspension reduced from three games to two games. So that's an interesting one, which means they kind of understand where he was coming from a little bit in terms of his anger and his foot stomping and his punches thrown, uh, which is a little bit interesting to me because I thought these all would be upheld, quite honestly. And then the latest information, you just heard it in the update here on ESPN 690, is that there are reports that during that appeal, as part of the appeal, Miles Garrett says Mason Rudolph used a racial slur, and that will now bring up a whole different set of uh, discussions uh, and what happens on a football field and and uh, what is uh, well certainly never allowed on a football field are those kind of comments we don't know though I mean that that's an allegation it's not a fact we haven't heard that yet but uh, that's a hefty allegation isn't it and, and listen if someone was to say that to me on the football field I'm not saying I would have retaliated, retaliated the same way especially during a game but I would have come close to okay so, if, if this truly is the case, and, and, you know, Mason Rudolph said that, then by all means. But 
I'm, there's a few things that seem a little fishy to be, and I'm not calling Miles Garrett a liar. You know, let's yeah, yeah. let's let this whole process. Well, this could be a he said, she said well, for the rest exactly. of all time. Well, we don't know. I, I feel like eventually someone's gonna have some audio or something. You well, know, I mean, there's audio everywhere. Yeah, and Kuz brought that up as we were yeah. coming into the show. You know, NFL films a lot of times they'll have mics all over the place, and some of it you never hear. Yeah. So will they be able to utilize something like that? Find that out, and there are other players around that area too. Well, so, continue well, on. Yeah, you know for sure. But I guess my main point is if that actually did happen, for Miles Garrett to restrain himself like he did after that incident, get off the field, answer questions, and never bring that up. See, to, to to me that's a little fishy because obviously when he took the helmet off and tried to beat Mason Rudolph with it, that 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 was a you know a prime of emotion. And to have that emotion, I feel like if someone truly did call you that, that emotion would spill over to the sidelines. That emotion would spill over to the locker room. And in my opinion, it wouldn't be squashed yet. So the fact that we haven't heard anything about it till he's met with his lawyers, he's met with the NFL offices now and all the allegations and stuff like that, the fact that the first time we're hearing about it now, that's what I'm saying. It's fishy. Now, I'm not, maybe it did happen. Maybe it didn't. Maybe, like you said, maybe we'll never know. But I'm just saying the timing of this whole thing is a little peculiar to me. Yeah, I was going to use that exact phrase. Timing is a little peculiar in that sense. And, and could you, you know, if you're in that situation, Miles Garrett, could you yesterday during that appeals process just never think anything that comes out of that appeals in terms of the words or your defense will come out into the public and say something to try to get you off the hook? Yeah. I mean, could that have happened? Yeah, certainly. Could Mason Rudolph have called him something? Certainly. What? So there's a lot of could, could, coulds. Yeah. I mean, I can get anywhere with this if you want me to go there, but I'm a little surprised if that was part of his defense then his appeal was upheld. So if that's part of his defense, is that saying the appeals folks didn't believe him or just it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things and they thought from a public perception point of view or from what he did point of view, it didn't matter what happened on that field. You can't do what you just did. Well, and the biggest thing we got to remember, too, is, and, and I get it, sometimes we hear pro athletes, you know, especially on Twitter, when people go back to pro athletes, you know, Twitter history when they're in high school and college, you know, so, sometimes they, they do use derogatory language. I think Josh Hader was one of those guys yes. from Milwaukee Brewers who's the pitcher. Um, I think Riley Cooper, if I'm not mistaken, was at a concert where he was drunk and actually used that word, but he had to answer his team for that, right? So the last thing I can see happening is a sober Mason Rudolph, a Mason Rudolph who's in a game with black teammates, mind you, mm-hmm. say that word and expect that, and I don't care if Mason Rudolph was upset or not, if he did say that word, well, what an idiotic move because you play with black players, and then you'll have to answer for that as well. So that's, Not that's, only do you play with black players, you're the quarterback of a team. Yeah, of, yeah, exactly. You're, you're the mean, leader. You're, you're the general. You're the quarterback right now of yeah. this football team. And by the way, you have a black coach. Of course, a good call. Great call. So, so why, why, why would you say that? Uh, by it's, the way, none of the stuff that we're even saying here, you have a black coach, you have a black team, allows for that to happen anyway. I mean, sure. it, it should not happen Never happened regardless. regardless. But if you start taking it to other lengths, you talk about, well, like, you can't, this can't be justified. Yeah. Something like that can't be justified. You know, it brings me back a little bit to the A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey battle on the field. And everyone's like, what did he say? That got him so AJ Green, the most mild mannered guy. What did he say? And Jalen Ramsey to this day says, I don't say stuff like that yeah. or about your mom or about your kids or about things like there's a line that gets crossed. And well, that word crosses every line imaginable anyway, yeah. but on the field, you can't say certain things. And I found that interesting because. 
I just feel like it's such a barbaric sport sometimes that things could come out, things could happen, and I'm sure it has happened before. Yeah. I'm not no, saying it's sure. never happened, but but what is that edge? What is that line? What is that unwritten rule where you can talk about this, 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 and this, but you better not go here? Yeah. Well, this is one of those you better not go here. No, absolutely, and you, you said it perfectly. You know, I mean, it, some people want to call it a barbaric sport. Obviously, it's a very physical sport. Guys are hitting each other, playing in the trenches. You know, sometimes some cheap stuff can happen, eye gouge and choking, things of that nature, especially in the piles. But at the end of the day, it's like you said. I mean, there there are a few unwritten rules, and while there may not be many, especially during a game, one of those unwritten rules you go to any single locker room is you don't use those kind of derogatory comments, especially to someone who is. You know, the opposite color of you, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, of course, you're going to hear it sometimes in the field when another black guy says to another black guy, and that's kind of a different thing, and that's another debate right there. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I'm saying if you're Mason Rudolph, who is a white dude, says it to, you know, a black player, Miles Garrett, there's obviously the, the, there's no ground shot. Like you said, that the head coach is black. The, the, the guys that block for Mason Rudolph, the, the guys that keep Mason Rudolph upright, you know, uh, predominantly those guys are black as well. So. Well, once again, the guy that was just, protecting him and got suspended for it yeah. is black. Yeah. So, so <laughs> if, I mean, if I'm just taking all the facts that we have right now, Brent, and I'm just, you know, having been on the field, I have a hard time believing that Mason Rudolph did say that, especially with Miles Garrett coming out now and not saying it right after the game. Because let's be honest, if I was Miles Garrett and who knows what I would, I, I probably wouldn't have swung the helmet during a game and got ejected. Who knows though? But to me, if that word gets said, well then that that spills out into the locker room. You know, like yeah. He, he should tell his teammates what was said. His teammates catch wind of that, and all of a sudden, guys were angry each other after the, after the game in the locker room. You know, like th- that's happened before. So I, I can't see why it wouldn't happen again. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that, that all those things you say I think are correct. The only thing that I could th- there was such the horrendous nature of hitting him in the head with the helmet. Would it squash any of that? I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to think. Okay, would he not do anything else because he realized how wrong that move was? And regardless, yeah. because people don't know all that's going on, you know. Sure. So, uh, again, I think take it to the Marquise Pouncey stuff. At at first, at face value, Mm -hmm. at first look, in fact, that was the first part of the play I saw, and I remember tweeting out, he's going to be suspended forever. And then I saw the rest of the play. Like, I looked up and I saw Marquise Pouncey kicking him and punching him, and I'm like, what are we doing? But then in context, it was almost like it's okay, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I think if that all that stuff had come out right after, not necessarily would it be okay, but it would be... Oh, I get it, kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that happened. Oh, and then Mason Rudolph would be oh, on the a totally different be, view of this. Now, some you'd people, be bl- if you blacklisted, man, like how, if you're Mike Tomlin, how, how could you have that guy on your team? Yeah. You know? So, well, and, and it's interesting. You brought up Riley Cooper's incident, yeah. and I don't know exact timeline here. We're just talking about it right now, and you brought the name up. And it wasn't his last play that once all that stuff came out. It wasn't like his no. last play ever in the NFL. But it really was the beginning of the end for well, Riley Cooper. Now, some of that was production-wise. Sure. And maybe that was just coincidental. But it certainly you kind of didn't hear from Riley Cooper again. He had had a decent career up until that point. He had done pretty well with the Philadelphia Eagles. But after that, it was kind of like, see you later. And again, that could be totally production and totally coincidental. But it certainly seemed to marry around the same time. Well, and keep in mind, too, if I'm not mistaken, that happened like in the summertime. So it was like during, like I don't think training camp was even in session yet. And like I said, he had to answer his players. Because I remember there was kind of, and I forgot who the, the players were, but I think it was some safeties or some corners that were upset with what Riley Cooper said, obviously. Uh, wholeheartedly, and he had to answer for that. So I'm sure he had to stand in front of the team, explain himself a little bit. Obviously, he did, I think. I remember to, that. To do a lot of apologizing, and that's never an easy thing to do. And, you know, for the most part, I think they accepted him back on the team. Now, 
some teams may not do that. You know, I mean, there is a hierarchy um, of talent and a hierarchy of the way things are ran. And to be fair to Riley Cooper, he wasn't on the top of the hierarchy even before he said the word. So from that perspective, I guess he earned some of that trust back. But but it's the same thing, Brent, where it's like, and I get it, Miles Garrett threw that helmet. Maybe he was done, but the fact that he didn't tell any of his teammates, because I guarantee his teammates catch wind of that, and they're gonna they're, they're gonna have his back. The only time Brent I ever came close to fighting a fan before, in pregame, I told this story before. It was in Oakland, you know, and uh, so, some idiot, some drunk idiot in Oakland was in the front row. Uh, we're doing our pregame, and he said a derogatory term to Tyson Alualu, and it set me up a, a wall, you know. And, and I saw red for a second, and I try to confront that fan basically and try to get as close as I could. And Mel Tucker says. If you if you hop that guardrail, you're not playing. I'm like, okay. And then then I came back down yeah, yeah. To, to earth again. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm just saying, even if, if one teammate caught wind of that, that fight wouldn't have stopped on the field. So th- once again, that's why it's a little peculiar to me. Well, it's a big allegation. Yeah. And if Mason Rudolph said that, you know, he, there should be ramifications, and there probably will be ramifications, at least internally in that Pittsburgh organization. Mm-hmm. If Miles Garrett is now insinuating and it did not happen, and alleging and it did not happen, oh, well, shame on him. Because now he's doubled it, doubling down on a bad incident. He already looks bad. Uh, and, and people have tried to give him the benefit of the doubt, saying he's a good guy, and that's not him. He, he got in a bad spot, and that was just outside of his, his character. Yeah. Well, to do this like, on this side of it a week later would be a really bad look, if not the truth. And again, we might never know. This might be he said, she said. The only thing is, whoever was listening to that appeal obviously didn't believe or think that was strong enough to mitigate the suspension at all, Correct. because the suspension got upheld. Well, and now keep in mind too, if you're Mason Rudolph's camp, do you sue Miles Garrett for you know defamation of character? Because you can do that too. Because regardless of Mason Rudolph said it or not, we're talking about it now. Yeah. And it doesn't make Mason Rudolph look good. No, nah, absolutely not. Uh, well, we'll talk about the Jags a little bit, but that was a big story coming out in just the last uh, couple of minutes, really, with the Miles Garrett situation. We are live on the USS Paul Ignatius, Ignatius live from Mayport. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on. Pretty cool day here. Thanks for tuning in. I mean, you just you run through. He got two legs just like everybody else. <laughs> so you run through those, and uh, he he has a stiff arm. He got a brutal stiff arm, and um, you know he's a strong dude. I think he's like six four, two fifty. Like, I mean, he, he probably should have thought about playing basketball, but he's really good at football. So, <laughs> so I mean, really, we just we got a gang tackling. Najee Good is not talking about Austin Lane there. He's talking about Derrick Henry instead. And he is a big dude. He is a big back and can be a bruising back. And he might be, you might have him bottled up 8, 9, 10, 11 times. But, man, getting on that 12th time, 14th time, 16th time, 22nd time can be a really hard thing. We talked a lot about Derrick Henry yesterday on our show. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. If you're watching the video platforms, thanks for hanging out with us and check it out because it's an awesome scene. We are here at Naval Station Mayport throughout the remainder of the show today. We are on the USS Paul Ignatius, and we got a tour of it earlier on. We're going to have Jaguars All Access tonight on the TV side from out here. Calais Campbell, Chris Conley, I think Miles Jack may even stop by, so we'll have that show at 7 o'clock on Fox 30. We'll do some television things from 5 to 7 as well on CBS 47 and Fox Fox 30, but we're hanging out here uh, on the ship. We are yeah. actually on the ship, which is really awesome. Did this one other time with Jaguars All Access. I want to say it was back in 2012. I think it was the USS Sullivan, and it was a great show, one of the most memorable shows. I think it's so cool that we're able to do this, and we thank uh, Bill Austin and every everyone from uh, 
Naval Station Mayport for allowing it to happen, and uh, all our TV guys and, and the Jaguars, and, and it's a big group effort, but it's a really, really cool deal. So uh, it's been fun. Before we get to some of the Jags talk, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, if you are listening only, uh, apologize for a little bit of the breeze, but we're trying to block some of that out. It's just a windy day out here uh, at Mayport, but a beautiful day at that. We got a tour of the yeah. USS Paul Ignatius. That we did. Really cool. I have such a uh, respect, and I always say this. I, I didn't grow up uh, in kind of like a military family, so sure. um, I grew up probably more ignorant to the military than I should be, need be, need to be, or, or wanted to be. Uh, but learned so much now being in Jacksonville the last dozen years, just obviously such an important part of, of this city, this area, and and what uh, servicemen and women do all over the country, but especially here in Jacksonville. So it's really cool to get educated on a lot of it, you know, yeah. and, and you just have so much appreciation and respect from seeing where they sleep. Yeah. To where they eat, to how they work, and and the things that they do, and the teamwork, and the camaraderie, and the 300 folks that are on this uh, this ship, the USS uh, Paul Ignatius, and, and just how I think Mayport is. I mean, I played the golf course over here, Winnie Arbor Golf Club. It's a cool golf course. Nice. Um, this whole community, uh, if you if you've never had a chance to be out here, and it's just it's fascinating. Well, but I get educated on it a lot because I just didn't grow up around it, so yeah. I'm still learning, and, and the appreciation level is uh, is really high. And it's the first time I've ever seen a Panda Express be <laughs> paired with a Dunkin' Donuts. You know, like usually you see like the KFC and Taco Bell. No, man, Panda Express Dunkin' Donuts. Qu- quite the combination. I don't know how that happened. I'm like, not, hey, I don't know I'll, if that was a vote. Hey, I'm gonna be I'm honest. Sure. I'm not mad at it. I accept it, but I, I did not expect that kind of combination. Uh, that's pretty cool. You know, they, they have a bowling alley. Yeah. Uh, we have done in the past, one of the neat stories we did, you know, Army-Navy game. I should probably say Navy-Army game around here. Yeah. But Navy-Army game <laughs> uh, coming up uh, in December, mm-hmm. which is obviously just an awesome football game, awesome atmosphere, the scene. Well, they play a – I don't know if they still do, but years ago they used to play a flag football game here at oh, Naval wow. Station Mayport, and we came over with the TV cameras and did a story here and, and kind of covered that flag football game, and everybody watches the Army-Navy game sure. and uh, kind of, you know, they're rooting against each other. Of course. But that they're on the same team. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. one of the great dynamics in, in what we see in sports but in our country uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, different branches of the military. So just those kind of things, things that happen that you're like, really? Like you just said, really? That, that That's pretty cool. You yeah, know, those yeah. things happen. And I, we're fortunate to what we do in, in TV and now in radio yeah. uh, to be able to share some of those stories. And well, it was a cool tour, wasn't it? I mean, I, how many times did you hit your head, by the way? Just once. That's it? Smacked it hard, though. <laughs> Trust me. I, um, I definitely got my money's worth. Just hit it once. Concussion but, uh, protocol? I mean, yeah, no, I think I'm going to be okay, because thank you. I appreciate you uh, worrying about me. But be honest, Brent. Like, you know, we went to the end of the ship. Could you have found your way back if you didn't have no, a guide? It, no. it was it was super confusing to me. No, I said when we're on the tour, it's interesting. You, know, you asked, I think, how yeah. how quick do you get to know the ship? And then she said, this it, one yeah. this one is kind is small, which is shocking. You know, to hear that. Uh, yeah. this is a destroyer, Chris. by the way. Yeah. Uh, but like, there's a ship over there that you can know. You might not even know some of the people that are on that ship. Sure. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So uh, I was talking to a dude, Josh. Who it sounds like he's kind of like the, the heads like a key to the book. So basically, anything that they they buy on the ship has to go through him. Okay. He keeps track of it. And we had probably like a nice 15 minute conversation about just what he does and like you know his aspirations of climbing up in rank. And one of the things he discussed was where if you're in the navy, they don't like you sticking on the, the same ship. You have to kind of branch out a little bit, meet new people, get the bigger ships and the smaller ships because that way it makes I guess like 
make your portfolio look better, right? So he was saying on that big ship over there, while you could be on it, you know, for four or five years, you're never going to meet anybody that works on that ship. That's because there's thousands of people on there, which is, it, it, it's kind of hard to, to comprehend. But he also said the, the, the whole, like, dynamic of a smaller ship to a bigger ship because he said like this ship it's like a small town kind of one like we both grew up in yeah, yeah. you know everyone knows everybody's families and things like that but you go over there to the bigger ships it's, it's like a big city it's New York so, City no, over there it is yeah yeah <laughs> that's a great way to illustrate it that's exactly uh, what he said yeah but, but to get to your point they had said like it feels like when they were giving us the tour yeah like I'm looking down to step over like every 25 feet or whatever to yeah. get into like the next area sure. hallway whatever yeah. um, I'm not using the right language I know but uh the or lingo, the but they they just don't even look, man. It's just oh, no, like they it's like go. they count their steps. It's like that's memor it's memorized, right? Well, they've been programmed. They, they dude, know like when they get to spot whatever, it's yeah. like get your feet up because you're over that you're gonna and, trip. And I'm so soft, man. I'm literally like ducking my head the whole time, seeing where I'm going. I'm like, dude, two days of this, and I'm getting a chiropractor. Like I, I'm I, I'm not cut out for this. My neck was killing me just for the tour, so I couldn't imagine actually being on this thing for an extended period of time. Well, it's uh, pretty awesome. We appreciate it, it. It was good to get over here early, get the tour of it. Uh, Calais Campbell again, and Chris Conley, and I think Miles Jack too. He's trying to get over here. Uh, he's a salute to service nominee for the Jacksville Jaguars. We'll have Jaguars All Access coming up in a bit. Let's talk about the Jags yeah. a little bit. How much do you expect them to give the football to Fournette yeah. on Sunday? And, or, because there's two different things going on on offense. You can give the football to Fournette, make him a little bit happier because you know you should be running the ball anyway. Correct. Or you can try to get Foles going because Foles showed some rust, showed like his timing was off. And I'm not saying throw it 47 times again, but I'm be really interested to see what they do coming out of the gates because if I'm Tennessee, I'm thinking, all right, Every game we play is like 20 to 16 anyway. Yeah. The Jaguars only gave it to him eight times. He's mad. They're mad inside the building because they had 47 passes and nine rushes, and that's it. They're going to come out and run the football, mm -hmm. so I'm ready for it. So it's the chess match of do I go get Foles kind of comfortable and in a little bit of a rhythm early, or do I get Leonard into a rhythm early? And that's the predicament of a of a offensive coordinator in the game plan because I think you can outsmart yourself here. Well, it's a fantastic question, you know, and if we go back to it was week three when they played the Titans Thursday night. It was that Thursday yeah. night, yeah. So when we talk about week three of how they really exposed the Titans and beat them, you know, and then they beat them pretty good, was the fact that this was Minshew's one of his very first games, right? Mm -hmm. He was still getting acclimated to being a professional quarterback. And they got him acclimated by showing just, you know, some throwing some short to intermediate passes. And then they got the run game going after that. So from that perspective, the way you beat Tennessee the first time was you actually relied a little more on your pass, and then you kind of complemented that with the run. Now, they had a couple things in their favor. DJ yeah. Chark wasn't really a household name yet, yeah. right? It was all about D.D. Westbrook. Um, you know, at the time, I think they had a tight end. I think they had Jeff Swam still playing, if I'm not mistaken. Swam was still so, playing then. So he, I mean, he, they he got was, a big special still, teams break that game, too. Yeah, and they did. So, like, the, the field position was big as well. So that's how they did it the first time. Now, if I'm looking at the team now, and DJ Chark is no secret anymore, right? No. And I feel like the offense, and I get it, they're probably going to open up the playbook a little more now with Nick Foles, but I feel like the Titans kind of have a gauge of what they want to do in the passing game. So from that question, do you go – Pass versus their run and try to be, you know, try to be more finesse uh, versus physical, or do you try to match them, you know, in the trenches and just go run versus run? And if it's me, I would probably go run versus run, but I say that, you know, with a hesitation. And not, a, right? not a lot of confidence, be, right? Yeah, because, I mean, if you want to describe the Jaguars, one of the last terms you're going to use right now of what we've seen on film is physical. 
right? And the Tennessee Titans, we know this, Brent, they, they've always been a very physical ball club. It's what they preach. So, to me, I am a little nervous if they try to go to Leonard Fournette right away, try to, you know, match him in the run. But to me, it's the only option at this point. It'd be really interesting. I think that's a tough... Uh, listen, it's hard to be a play caller. It's hard to put a game plan together, especially against teams that know you. Yeah. And these teams know each other so well. Uh, let me piggyback off that. I'm going to save. I want to get the offensive line and who you would have as keepers to that point. But I'm going to get to that in a minute. And also, Todd Wash said some things today about the scheme, about Miles Jack that I think are, are worth uh, listening to, at least sharing, and then commenting on uh, with his defense you know, giving up 264 yards rushing and 500 yards rushing, essentially, in the last couple of weeks. But how how much, I don't know if the season's going anywhere, but how important would a sweep of Tennessee be for the Jaguars, do you think? Does, does that resonate at all when it's when it gets you to 5-6? and six? Listen, a win yeah. right now is, 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 is paramount. I mean, you need it in that building. You sure. need a win. I don't care if you were playing some Pop Warner team. Yeah. You need something that looks like you got a W and you're going somewhere. Yeah. But to, to, this has been a nemesis team, man. I mean, it is the rival team of any in the South, in my opinion, uh, and I think many people's opinion. Yeah. But they've had your number, uh, and now there are a lot of teams that have had the Jags a number. Even Houston has really had their number uh, as of late. But it, does it mean anything to you to, to beat the Titans? I mean, the Titans are a team even players, I feel like, don't like very much. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, and I think it works for the Titans, too. I'm sure the Titans don't like the Jaguars yeah. players that much. So, you got, yes. like, Taylor Lewan. I mean, you, yeah. you want to make that guy cry and go home. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, yes, you know, there is a rivalry there. How much does it mean to the players? I think that... Let's be honest here. The the Jacksonville Jaguars have been the Tennessee Titans' little brother now for it seems like the past five six years. Sure. Right, it might be two decades. It, it, it could be even longer than that. So, Jacksonville has been the little brother. So, and listen, I'm not, <coughs> excuse me, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of moral victories, uh, especially in terms of you know a good season or a bad season. But I think this game is important from the standpoint of yes, it would be a moral victory. You, you sweep the Titans, which is big, obviously. Now, are they a good team? I don't think they're as good as the Colts or the Titans. I'm sorry, they're not as good as the Colts or the Texans. So it doesn't do much for me there. But yeah, it is a team that's had your number, so it does do something. And keep in mind, while the the chances could be slim now, there is still an opportunity to make the playoffs for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And there's no better way to get a little more momentum going than kind of beating a rival two times in one year. Well, I, there's a lot of see. I think there are a lot of intangible things with this game, and uh, I'm not even talking about the playoffs, by the way. I mean, if they yeah. were to roll three off in a row and then they're seven and six in early December, we'll, we'll, let's talk again. <laughs> but until that happens, I'm not willing to even talk about that. But but I guarantee that's what they're thinking about. Uh, in the oh, that's that's fine, yeah, yeah. I just can't get my mind there. No, I got you. But I think there are some intangibles with this kind of win, and that is you sweep Tennessee. You put yourself in a position late in the year, regardless of your record or playoffs, to go 3-3 three and three in the division. Now think about it the other way. If you lose this game, you just took the most important stretch of football, maybe in Doug Marone's coaching career as a Jacksonville Jaguars coach, and you lost all three, and heck, you might have got walloped all three, because right now they're two for two and getting walloped. On top of that, you would put yourself in a position to go one in five in the division. Yeah. And so I start thinking of it from what happens in those postseason meetings if they're eight and eight, or a nine and seven, or or a seven and nine. And I've got to sit down with Shad Khan, and I'm this coaching staff, and I'm saying, oh, we did go one in five in the AFC South. 
It's a little different than saying we went three and three and swept the Titans in the AFC South, and that's a, and, and we had two terrible weeks, and that was on me. But outside of that, we cleaned it up, and then we got on a roll. I mean, you see what I'm talking about? The I narrative goes, and, and I'm getting way ahead here, yeah. but I'm just saying that there's some. There could be some long-term ramifications of losing to the Titans, and there might already be long-term ramifications of these last couple of weeks. Admittedly so. Yeah. But this one could go a long way in determining some of those narratives that enter the postseason, enter the no. offseason. Well, obviously, yeah, because obviously playing the Titans or playing any opponent in your division, it carries a little more cachet. And if you're sitting down at the end of the season talking to Shad Khan fighting for your job, if Shad Khan goes, well, let's see the record against the division opponents, because guess what? We have to see these guys every single year. And for the most part, yes, rosters always change, but you're going to see a majority of the players that you already played against, you're going to see them next year again and the year after that. So if Shad Khan goes on his, you know, on his notes here and goes, okay, well, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you guys went 1-5 and five against division opponents. That's not okay. You know, that, that, that's just that, that's not going to be the status quo. That, that, that can't be the status quo. And Shad Khan's made it perfectly clear where he expects winning seasons. So it, it's almost like a, um, <coughs> excuse me, it's, it's almost like the fact where, yeah, if you have a bad season, that's one thing. But if you lose to all your division opponents, that even ups it even more. If they get smoked by Tennessee, there won't be any postseason meeting, I don't think. I mean, it's it's, well, it's not yeah, going to be good. Yeah, I don't think a meeting will have be. to take place. I mean, I'm telling you, if they get smoked, I mean, if they give up a couple hundred yards rushing, one of those type of things again, then forget about the meetings. We've already said it earlier in the week. I'm not sure if someone's coming back on the plane to Jacksonville. Um, and that could be a guy like Todd Wash if they can't fix this on defense. He talked about the defense today and the scheme and Miles Jack. And these have been conversations all week long. What did Todd Wash have to say? What does it all mean? And where do they go from here? We are live from Naval Station Mayport. Thanks for hanging out with us. Appreciate you putting up with a little bit of a breeze, but it's a beautiful day, just a little breezy as we continue to talk sports. From the USS Paul Ignatius, great to be out here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We've seen the same style of runs for the last, you know, three, four years. You know, I mean, it came, obviously, Sean McVay started with all the jet sweep, phony stuff, you know, behind the quarterback and all that. And that's kind of the, the plays in the leagues right now. You know, it does, it gets you flowing, and they match it a lot with some outside zones to get your linebackers running. Um, you know, we got some indicators and stuff like that that we can communicate better on. Um, but the biggest thing is, like I said, we need to create better angles. I need to create better angles, um, you know, for our defense. That's Todd Wash, Jaguars defensive coordinator, talking about the run. And I'm going to tell you this. I appreciate accountability, but the more and more I hear this coaching staff talk, like, and I get it, it's on them, and you can't stick it on the players and all that stuff. But I'm almost a little bit tired of hearing it's on us. Yeah. And that's what happens when you lose. I mean, you know, we experienced that with Gus Bradley, too. Uh, and you get kind of tired of that, that statement, that mantra. And I understand inside you have to do that. But like that last thing Todd Washa said, I have to do a job, better job creating angles. I mean, what the heck no. can the defensive coordinator from the sideline do creating angles? I mean, what do yeah. you want to do? Create a geometry problem? <laughs> I, this is how can how seriously? Am I missing something? How can a defensive coordinator help create better angles? Like, what does he mean by that? So basically, I think what he's getting at is the fact that and he said it himself. Their philosophy is to go more east towards west than it is north versus south, which. I come from the. I mean, listen, I'm not a coach, but if I had it my way, I would go north to south because that's more attacking, right? That's more of being aggressive and causing chaos. To me, going east to west is more of just kind of like you read and react. And to me, you, you never want to read and react on defense. You, you want to 
dictate what's going on. But to, to get back to Todd Wash's point, where he's like, we have to get guys with better angles, I think it's just the fact of his assignment, you know, like the scheme that he's running, where, like I said, it's more, I guess, east to west. Maybe he means be, be more aggressive and kind of create those lanes where guys can get open easier and get tagged. I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, man, I, I'm sitting here, Brent, playing the league five years, and I'll be honest, I don't really know what he's getting at. I'm trying to justify, stick up for him, but I'm, I'm not sure what he means by create angles. Well, but that's what I mean. You, you can get to a point where you take the accountability too much, and this is where I say, okay, that's fine. You don't like the scheme. Todd washes scheme and some of the plays he's calling and the coaching and all that can I can come with you on that but again there's some it goes back to the players at some point to make plays and do the fundamental things that you've been playing football for a long time yeah. and be able to do them and I think he's take like it's almost too much don't take so much accountability that's a player's problem in my opinion that's what it sounds like a player's got to know the angles players got to know the gaps sure. they got to make their fits and you know, unless you're really just putting him in a terrible position, and I just don't know if I buy that because his defense has played all it's been playing around here for five or six years, and they've done a decent job against the run at times, and it's played across the NFL, and it does a decent job against the run sometimes. So, uh, again, I, I, this can be some coaching, but you got to put some of this on the players, and I just don't know if I've heard enough of that this week. Yeah, and you know, and. I think I've talked about it religiously on the show, Brent. The most important thing I think a coach can do is set his guys up for success. Yeah, yeah. And you have to understand that you don't have the 2017 guys that you had. True. Okay? Uh, yeah, there, there maybe are a few key guys, but those guys are now older, right? I'm not saying those guys have lost a step, but they're not the same players you had back in 2017. So from that perspective, I just feel like you, you got to put the ego aside and realize, you know what? The things that that I believe in, the, the, the schemes and the philosophies that I believe in, and granted, I've, I've come a little ways, and, and I've thrown some wrinkles here. I've thrown some wrinkles yeah. there. You know, Miles Jack was rushing the outside linebacker spot a little bit. Like, th- there were some wrinkles. But overall, you got to look at yourself and say, you know what? What we're doing right now with what we have, it's just not working. And I'm not saying you got to rip up the whole scheme and start from scratch. But you do have to make some major adjustments. And I'm not, I'm not saying personnel adjustments, because what you have is what you have right now. And I, and I truly believe... Yeah, look at a 53-man roster. Well, exactly. I think the best 11 guys that you have playing out there are probably the best 11 guys. You know I mean? It's all you got. So from that perspective, then it comes in the terms of, all right, well, if, if you're complaining about the angles not being right, if you're complaining about where you're going east to west too much, then that's on you as a coach to change up the scheme and be like, you know what, we've got to do things a little differently and we have to think a little differently on defense. Yeah, we are uh, live at Naval Station Mayport, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, on the road once again, and we've been all over the place, from Senior Bowl to Super Bowl to the Draft to the Masters, and this might be the coolest stop yet in 2019. Yeah, uh, cool glad stop. to be here on the USS Paul Ignatius again. Jaguars All Access coming up tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. Chris Conley, Calais Campbell, maybe even Miles Jack uh, will be here tonight uh, playing on stopping by, so uh, we will talk more about this football team on the TV side as well. But let's talk more about Miles Jack right now. Todd Wash brought Miles Jack up, or he was asked about Miles Jack, and this has been a big talking point this week. We said it on the wall that says it all yesterday. We brought up Miles. We don't believe he had a very good game on Sunday. I'm not sure many people are raving about the game he played on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts, and there's no doubt about it. As a captain of this football team, as a guy who's been paid, no matter what position they put him at at linebacker, he needs to play better. He needs to make more plays. I think that's crystal clear, and I think if he was sitting right here, he'd tell us the same exact thing. Here's Todd Wash on number 44 earlier today he's on an edge a lot but that's what's going to happen in zone schemes um within our system not that you know everybody knows but if our linebackers just run downhill we're going to get killed in the passing game 
Uh, it's just the way we play our system. It's the way Gus plays it. It's the way Sala plays it. It's the way they play it in Seattle. Your linebackers can't get just downhill. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand football, to be honest with you. Um, so our scheme allows them to go east and west. But when he does see it, we need to see our linebackers getting downhill better than we have. That's Todd Wash, Jack's defensive coordinator, a little bit of defense mode there as well. And and, and I get it. Uh, there's frustration on his part. And uh, he's probably right about a lot of people that don't understand football. But you see the same thing over and over a couple hundred yards three different times this year. And you certainly wonder, and the questions are probably fair, uh, at least learning on, on what more they could do, what else they could do. What's he mean by the edge stuff and, and getting downhill? Do you, you follow that part of it, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, what did well, he mean by all of that in terms of how getting downhill might affect the passing game, especially the underneath stuff? Well, well I just talked about where there's a couple of times where Miles Jack was on the edge where he was rushing a little bit yeah. on those blitz passes. Isn't that the play we showed yesterday? Was he, uh, well, that was a screen no, play. No, that, was, that was a yeah, screen no, play. No, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. It. But I mean, but it was out of that formation. Like he, he, there was a play I remember distinctly where he came down and Quentin Nelson actually came from like across the field and hit him. Okay. Um, and I forgot what quarter that was in, but I remember distinctly seeing. Well, that he was play. on the edge on the uh, on the goal line play. Correct. That we yes, showcased exactly. Yep, we were talking about Calais, but yeah. Miles was on the edge there, yeah. and he took him face on instead of half the body. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Go. Yep. Good call. You can go see that by the way on YouTube, on <laughs> Facebook, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, our wall that says it all. Go ahead. Wall that says it all. Yeah. So from that shameless pers- plug. Yeah, it's all good, man. I understand it's part of the business. So yeah, from that perspective of you know if Miles Jack is playing that edge. I understand you have to slow play things because you have the responsibility of the outside and everything, so I get what Todd Watch was saying there. But at the same time, if we're trying to compare great defenses of where that scheme comes from, well, then to me, like when Seattle was really humming, it was Bobby Wagner. Okay? Bobby Wagner, you could argue, is probably the best middle linebacker, if not... Definitely, I mean, top three for sure, middle linebacker right now in the NFL. Yeah, I think Hands he's taken down. over. I mean, Keekly would have had been that Keekly's argument a few years ago, but now I think he's lost CJ Mosley's up there as well, but True. he hasn't been healthy this year. Uh, so, yeah, so Bobby Wagner. Well, I get what he's saying where you just can't go north to south because then maybe that opens some things up. But at the same time, Bobby Wagner never – when he's on the field, you never see him slow play anything. You know, it's 100 miles per hour. I think sometimes you see Miles Jack look in the backfield a little too much and try to diagnose what's playing. Mm-hmm. Where if you're Bobby Wagner, if you're C.J. Mosley, if you're Luke Keekley, or if you're one of the elite middle linebackers in the NFL, you already know what's happening before everybody else does. You you see a polar, all right, ball's going over here, and I'm right here. I'm in my spot. And right now I just see from Miles Jack, I see a little hesitation and his ability not to be able to diagnose plays right off the get-go. And maybe that comes with reps, Brent. Maybe that comes with more time. But I'm just saying. It's been a few years. This is the thing. Because, like, take a guy like Puzz, for example. Right? Like, Puzz, to be fair, Puzz was never a good pass rusher. I think he was an okay blitzer, but he wasn't the most athletic. I mean, he was a strong dude. Yes. Wasn't the most athletic guy. But what made Puzz so great, whether it was with the Buffalo Bills or the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I played with him in, was the fact that as soon as the ball was snapped, he knew where it was going to be. Yeah. And then he knew the play that was going to happen before even probably the offensive lineman knew where it was going to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he just diagnosed it that quickly. And when you can diagnose something that quickly, then you're not thinking anymore. Then you just read and react and you go downhill and you make plays. Right now, I think Miles Jack is just, he's looking at too many, too much stuff, not focused on his job, and that's where the, the game's not, you know, it's not slowing down from. It's actually speeding up and he's panicking. Yeah, and, and, but that is part of being a middle linebacker. You can get away with some of that at times, and that's why they went back to Puzz at times. Remember yeah. during his last year, because there was some of that confusion, uh, and, and their plan was not to do that, but then they went back to Puzz because Miles couldn't handle it at the time. Sure. Well, then, you know, then they transferred over, and, and you know, he's. 
I, I think we're still waiting. We're yeah. still waiting. And, and, you know, there's two different kinds of athletes. One, they're just supremely athletic. And speed can make up for anything, and you can't compete with it. But when you compare, like, middle linebackers like Puzz and you compare Miles Jack, athletically they're not even in the same stratosphere. No. You know, but sometimes you can be better than that quicker guy, faster guy, more athletic guy right here yeah. with your instincts and your IQ. And, I mean, I talk about it all the time. I mean, I have to. i got an 88-pound kid who's 14, so we talk about it all the time in baseball. But you, that's the beauty for me of baseball yeah. is you can do that a lot in baseball. Yeah. You can make up for some of that lack of size athleticism. Yeah. You can do a little bit less of that in sports like basketball and football. Yeah. The size and the strength and all those things, they, they, they have to be at a certain place. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you can still outsmart people sometimes. You you can use that even if you're a little bit of a disadvantage. I mean, look at Hunter Renfro. I mean, look again. Yeah. You know, we talked about the Senior Bowl. He's now doing a nice job with the Oakland Raiders in his rookie year. Yeah. Because well, you think like, there's nothing athletic, at least that screams at you, with Hunter Renfro. But we see guys like that all over professional sports that are able to kind of use their IQ. And, and by the way, that doesn't also mean you're dumb. It no. just means some think it and are instinctively quicker yeah. with it. Well, and, and here's the, the biggest thing about the linebacker position. And I had the ability to play a couple spots, you know, in 4-3 in defenses and in 3-4 defenses. And the, the thing's always the same, regardless of what kind of defense you're running. The outside linebacker spot, whether it's a weak side linebacker or a strong side linebacker, they have a little bit more of an advantage because they're not required to diagnose the plays right away. You're basically responsible for one side of the field. And, yes, if you have a zone coverage, you got to drop back and all that good stuff too as well. But basically what you're doing is you don't have to diagnose it as quickly. If, if you're a, an outside linebacker, you just kind of read, react, see, oh, yeah, this is what they're giving me, and i got to make sure i got my side of the field. If you're a middle linebacker, you're responsible for a lot more. Not only do you have to get guys ready – uh, on the defensive line, get guys ready in the back as well. But then you also you have to diagnose the play, and you're responsible for a lot more space. And on top of that, if you do have to come downhill and stop the run, you have to be physical. You have to take on blockers. You have to take on pullers and all that stuff as well. So from that perspective, you have so much more on your plate as a middle linebacker in the NFL, regardless of what defense you run, as opposed to an outside linebacker. And if you have a lot more on your plate, obviously that requires a lot more thinking. And it's like I said, but I think we... Miles Jack right now, who is the most athletic freak on that field, hands down, but doesn't have a chance to really show that too much because he's too busy thinking about what he has to do. Yeah, and one more thought there, too. I think it's a bit of a lack of trust. I'm not sure this is all on Miles and what he's seeing. I'm not sure he trusts the people around him because they've been in and out of the lineup from Quincy Williams, who is very a young guy and raw in this league, to now Najee Good, who he hasn't really played next to a bunch. Leon Jacobs, still somewhat of a young guy. They've had people in and out of that spot because of injuries. So I think those injuries, that, that can be a trust factor as well yeah. at that linebacker position. I mean, you got to trust guys to do their job, but I think maybe that hesitation, I'm just guessing here, no, but maybe that hesitation has a little bit more to do with what's around him than his own skill set. No, you're absolutely right, and, and you hit it on the head, Brent. Whether it's his linebackers you know, not really having his back, leaving the holes too far, far open, whether it's the defensive line who's not keeping the pullers and keeping the guards that are trying to climb to the next level off him, it, it is a combination of things, and when you don't have you know, you don't have that mesh and that gel of that defensive line and the linebacking core because they all work together. When they're not gelling like that, then yeah, it's going to put a lot more stress, especially at the guy who's in charge of all of them in Miles Jack. We got 30 seconds. So, is this scheme? Do you need great players to play the scheme and be successful? I mean, you need great players anyway in any scheme. Yeah. Most of the time. 
but it's this one in particular. Like San Francisco, the scheme is working. Seattle, it worked. In 2017, it worked. But one thing is in common with all that. There are better players that are on the field right now, maybe here in Jacksonville, yeah. if you're comparing it. See, I think this defense that Todd Wash runs, it, it is required that you do need a lot more skill guys. You, you need a lot more guys with a lot more talent than as opposed to maybe like a, like a base 4-3 defense that I was accustomed to running yeah, yeah. back in Jacksonville. You do need more of that elite talent. And right now, especially at that linebacking core, you know, all due respect to Najee, good things like that, I think that sometimes they're, they're vulnerable at that spot, and that hurts them uh, in general. But you also need discipline, and we haven't seen any of that from the defensive line. I'll t- tell you what fixes a lot, too. Tackle. They yeah. can tackle better. Hey, secrets so in the no NFL. Problems. We're going to talk about it next, live from Naval Station Mayport on ESPN 690. Well, uh, you know, the key for us is we want to get the games healthy. Um, you know, so you don't see a lot of live tackling. What, 12 years, you know, we, we do one period usually a year, and that's in training camp goal line. Um, so you don't do a lot. We've tried to simulate as much as we can with crash pads and, and, and that kind of stuff and just the fundamentals of taking grass away, you know, eyes to the thighs, you know, all the different techniques and stuff that we've learned um, through the years. We try to get that as much as we can without physically powering them. So we don't we do not do a lot of live tackling, but we do a lot of simulating, um, you know, trying to get the reps so we can, you know, obviously make plays on Sundays. That is Todd Wash, Jaguars defensive coordinator. It really sucks to lose because then you've got to just try to answer everything. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And uh, I give credit to Todd for, for sharing all that stuff. But, you know, listen, most NFL teams, am I right in saying this? Most NFL teams do things in a similar way. I mean, how different are things? You played for a bunch of different teams, and I know sure. not always like this deep into the season, but... I mean, how different can a practice be? How different can tackling be? Again, the CBA has has nullified a lot of this. Oh stuff. yeah, you're not seeing Oklahoma drills anymore. No, <laughs> I mean, and you don't. You only get a certain amount. I think it's like four or five after a certain date. Like once a seat that you can actually go full full pads or something. So, I mean, you've got to be really careful. And now everybody's about player safety and being healthy more so, and they'll risk maybe a lack of tackling, to be healthy because they don't want to get guys hurt in practice. It's it's one thing to get hurt in a game, and as things are going 100 miles an hour, it's just different to get hurt in a practice. It feels so much worse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as the teams that I were, you know, I was on, even in training camp, um, for the most part, everything was still, uh, you know, it was kind of the same because, it's like, like I said, it, it is a copycat league. And, you know, if you're a Super Bowl um, winning team, then teams are probably going to pursue you like, hey, what'd you guys do in training camp? What'd you guys do here? What'd you guys do there? So it, it is a copycat league. I think there is, um, you know, there's a lot of comparisons to how teams run things overall. Um, what I think the big difference is, Brent, is that when teams lose or when teams give up 200 yards rushing, I think depending on the coach, whether you're doing, you know, maybe like with a Bill Belichick, a Mike Zimmer, um, I'm trying to think of another old school minded coach. That comes out to me right now. You got anything for me? Um, do you say Belichick? Yep. Uh, Zimmer? I said those two. You said, I know. Uh, how about, is Rivera kind of more old? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good call, Rivera. Yeah, so I, I think from that perspective, once you start showing signs that you're, you know, you're struggling, whether it's with the toughness factor or in the trenches or whatever it is, then I think coaches of, of that kind of caliber and coaches of that kind of you know, cloth, they, they'll up the ante a little bit. On the other side, if you have guys maybe like a Pete Carroll, uh, maybe like a Kyle Kingsbury, um, kind of like that newer generation of more like the quote-unquote players coach, well, those guys I think are going to be more like, okay, 
So we, we got dominated in the trenches here. Do we need to maybe ease off a little bit in how we're approaching our physicality during you know, practice? Uh, do we need to teach fundamentals more? Do we need to slow things down? So I think it's that's more like the new school approach, basically, especially dealing with the CBA, where you have to be careful how you approach, you know, the physicality of practices. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Brent Martin, no Austin Lane here. Uh, our number two, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us. A special day for us. Salute to Service Month in the NFL. We have Jaguars Hall access coming up tonight from right here at Naval Station Mayport. And the USS Paul Ignatius, we're setting up for the TV show. Chris Conley, Calais Campbell will be out here uh, for TV, Fox 30 tonight at 7 o'clock. So we won't be at our usual spot in Avondale at Mellow Mushroom. So we decided to do the radio show over here, too, and uh, really having a lot of fun being out here on a beautiful day at Naval Station Mayport. Did you see the story with Eric Weddle and the L.A. Rams? I did. Where Weddle was asked about, from the, through the media at the very least, Will you share some of the secrets of the Baltimore Ravens this week? They play on Monday night. Yeah. So the Ravens and Rams, and Weddle recently played for the Ravens, now for the Rams. And he said, I'm not sharing anything about their defense. Sure. And that took me by surprise because guys sign people. Of course. To ask about different oh. nuances. Transactions get made all the time in the NFL solely on the, the principle that they want to get an advantage of where that player came from because you're getting ready to play that team. This is the first time I remember somebody at least publicly saying, no, I won't. Oh, no, there's, there's guys like that for sure. But, there are, but that oh, does happen. We thought it out. It does I mean, happen. It's probably but, been public before, but, too. I just don't remember it. No, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think back in like, my experiences of guys that we brought into teams, and no one's really sticking out at me, but I will say this. So Weddle said, and I, what was the exact quote, that he wouldn't share any information about what the, the scheme? He, he said, well, yeah, just any of the kind of the nuances of their defense, their scheme, those kind of okay. things, he said, because he has too much respect for those guys, sure. what they meant to him, to his family, and yeah. everybody else. So from that perspective, yes, I think a majority of the guys that come into a team, regardless if they know they're getting brought in to kind of spill the details or not, I don't think guys would ever give up plays or give up play calls um, unless that player left on bad terms, which does happen sometimes as well, because then getting back at his old team. So I think the majority of the time a player goes to a new team, he's not going to dish any secrets about the scheme and the play calling, but a lot of players that I've encountered who've been brought on teams, they will dish about the, the players themselves. For instance, say uh, say a team gets an offensive lineman from a team you're getting ready to play. Well, then that offensive lineman sometimes will come in the defensive line room and say, all right, so here's the left tackle. Here's what he likes to do. Here's his pass set. Here's his preferred moves, stuff like that. Same thing on the defensive line. Say a defensive lineman goes to a different team, he'll, he'll meet with the offensive lineman and be like, his, his best move is just the power or the speed, and then his counter move is this and this and this. So there is always a little gamesmanship of when guys go to new teams they, they will dish about their teammates and things of that nature but it's very rare to have a guy just dish about the scheme and the play call that's interesting uh, yeah. it, and i guess that's kind of what i viewed it as like okay well you're getting any kind of intel is intel sure right and, and good enough intel um and how much does it help i think it's pretty minimal or the teams would protect players oh, more it's- I'll never forget, and I can't. And it's gonna sound. Yeah, bad. I want some secrets. Come well, on, let's yeah, go. No. Well, and it sounds so bad, but I can't remember the guy's name. He was an offensive tackle for the Jaguars my rookie year. He had a Harley. Um, Pastor? No, not another Austin Pastor. Oh, it's gonna drive me crazy. He was part of the NFLPA. He was like a representative, and I can't believe I can't remember his name. Which but it would have been your rookie year. My rookie year, and he was an offensive tackle. Uh, he came from New Orleans. Um, oh, I, I, I apologize. But anyways, 
So he, he came from New Orleans. Well, that year we were getting ready to play in New Orleans. <laughs> Joe Cullen, dude, had him literally like it was like a PowerPoint presentation. He's like, and I, I, I could have sworn his first name was Jordan. I, I, Jordan keeps coming to mind, but he's like, all right, we're gonna have Jordan come up here and uh, kind of explain some alignment. Dude, Jordan, who's this pretty smart dude, if I remember correctly, like had like PowerPoint like notes written on every single offensive <laughs> lineman. Here's what his tendencies are. Uh, if he gets fatigued, look for him to do this. this. Like, dude, it was like, it was literally like on point, like a private investigator, you know? <laughs> but like, some guys do that, you know what I'm saying? So, as far as, like I said, the gamesmanship's concerned, guys will dish about their teammates. That is it's pretty wild. Do you think as a player, did you want as much information? Uh, and then there's two, two parts of that. Do you want the information? Do you use the information? It's one thing to have the information. Say, okay, tell me all you want, but sure. I'm probably going to stick to what I know and what I do best, because a lot of times that kind of information can throw you well, off a game, too. Like, I say that about everything. stealing signs in big league baseball, yeah. or in baseball. You better trust the guy yeah. that's helping you steal a sign, yeah. because if there's any doubt in your mind, it's not going to help anyway. No, exactly. Um, Yeah, so you can't take it with a grain of salt, right? Because guys always kind of change up their philosophies a little bit, and if you're too focused on those things, Brent, well, if something doesn't go right, then obviously you're not going to be successful. So from that perspective, yeah, I mean, guys take it, you know, a little bit to heart. Um, it depends how you use it. Like, I mean, I was, I'll was i be honest. So when I was with the Chicago Bears, and I wasn't bitter at Jacksonville, but and this is the preseason, by the way. This is not the regular season. <laughs> I know. You and I was Britain, man. You had it out me, for Maybe I had Britain and Zach Miller, man. I was the guy screaming. That's right. They that's didn't it. want us. What's so why they didn't want us and stuff like it's that. the most amped up preseason game in the oh, history I, of the Chicago well, Bears. And, and, and even then, like, uh, I remember Lamar Houston and Jeremy Purnell, who were both uh, outside linebackers uh, that year. They're like, hey, can you tell us anything about, uh, you know, offensive linemen? I'm like, oh, funny you should ask. And then I literally just went down the list of, all right, well, here's what he does in practice. Here's what he does in practice. Because... It is an advantage, and you do want to win. Because at the end of the day, if you're winning, that helps you out, right? So while there is kind of like the unspoken rule, like you, you don't want to sell your friend, like you sell your old teammates on everything. Yeah. You still got to take care of numero uno, and that's yourself, right? So if you're winning ball games, you have a better shot of staying on a team. Yeah, I think uh, I think all those things make a lot of sense. You know, yeah. I guess I've I've heard it so many times the other way, and I could also see if a guy got spurned. You know, like yeah. like if the Oakland Raiders, if they did have Antonio Brown, and they sure. go back to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. I could see because he hates the Steelers yeah. that he would just say everything that he could possibly say, play calls, everything. You know, and anything that would help. But then I, I've just never really heard it put in the context that I think publicly, like I said, with Weddle. And Weddle was just so respectful of the Baltimore organization. And he's like, listen, I'm not going to do it. I'm, yeah. I'm not, not going to share it. So we'll have to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll watch the tape. And, and I was like, it was just so matter of fact. And I was like, wow, okay. I, just, I didn't think that it happened. I thought you always had to tell them something. I, I figured they'd, they'd kind of keep you in holding if you didn't. <laughs> do, 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 do you want to hear the craziest piece of information that we ever found out about, yeah. a, about a player? I do. For a game? This is what this segment's really this about. This is what it's for, right? Just yeah. snitching? No, that's not even snitching because <laughs> I, I'm not sure if this player does it anymore. Back in 2011, and I can't, I'll be honest, I can't remember the guy's name, but we brought a guy in from Pittsburgh. And we wanted to get some details. And what we established was the fact that, and it, it was true, but truth be told, we relied on this information a little too much. Ben Roethlisberger. When Ben Roethlisberger would be under center, if his heel was up, that meant it was either play action or a drop back pass. When his heel was down, it meant it was a run. And this was 100% of the time. Like, we knew that information. So we would be on the sidelines, and I'd be like, if somebody wasn't in, let's say if I was getting arrested, I'd be like, heels up, heels up, heels up. And we would be shouting that. Now, what you do with that information is up to you. 
but I think we almost relied on that too much. But it was a hundred percent a certainty kind of thing, and that was the entire year of 2011. And the Steelers didn't know it. Now I'm not sure if you watch. Well, he's not playing this year, so we don't know. But if you watch next year, what watch? And granted, everything's out of shotgun now. But when he was out of under center, when his heel was up. And then he was uh, he was dropping back or play action That's pass. Wild. That's no different than tipping pitches in baseball. No, there. it is, man. When it comes Absolutely. to that, everybody's got tendencies. Yeah, uh, for sure. Basketball, baseball, hockey, you name the sport. Yep. Everybody's got one. Uh, John Bachman, I think, is back in the Action News Jack Studios. And uh, so we don't keep him through a commercial break. I'm going to hold off on this one uh, for a minute or two, Coos, if you don't mind. What's up, Bachman? Hey, fellas. Uh, yeah, I'm in your seat, Brent. It's kind of comfortable over here, i got to tell you. Uh, and yeah, and, and Kuz is actually hooking me up on the, on the camera so I can be on the stream, too, so I'm waving. Yeah, like, like, you're not on camera enough. I, I, I mean, never can be too much, right, Austin? By the way, you better be of dressed appropriately <laughs> in that seat because... <laughs> hey, because I will rip you. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, well, I only have one uniform. It's pretty pretty simple. I don't have to think too much when I head into work. Uh, by the way, Austin, I love the shades. Looking sharp. Oh, thank you, man. You look like you're ready that, to take man. off in one of those helicopters at Mayport. Well, you know what, John? I'm going to be honest here. Me and Brent were walking through the ship, and I may have overheard one of the, the passengers on the ship say, Passengers. Passengers. Sailors. One of the sailors on the ship may have whispered to another sailor, said, Is that guy a contractor? Which, ah. which hey, and they weren't talking about Brent, obviously. talking about me. And uh, that's probably the best compliment I could ever receive because... To me, that sounds I'm like a badass. I, apparently, I come across that way. Yeah. Too bad I'm, I'm going to disappoint him. This just in, Austin but. Lane is a badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, John, I was trailing a little bit deeper than uh, than Austin, and yeah. I heard somebody say, wow, is that Tom Cruise? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's a lie. But it's I okay. love it. But it's okay. It's, I this, love this it. This isn't Top Gun. Is, hey. it, is it bad that when I got dressed today, I thought of Austin? <laughs> I'm in his head, living rent, living rent free in Brent Martino's head. I you are it. in his kitchen. I love it, man. Hey, uh, uh, are you with Bill what, what Austin you out there at Mayport? Say hi to Bill for me if you're with Bill Austin. Oh yeah, Bill's awesome. Yeah, he's good. Bill is a tremendous follow on Twitter, by the way. Oh my heavens, that is the truth. <laughs> what is his hashtag? Hey, I'm gonna find out what his uh, handle is so we can uh, plug his. Uh, um, Twitter follow because it really is amazing. Yeah, he's really funny. Uh, uh, hang on, I'm gonna find it. There is at Austin Bill 13. All right, there it is. Uh, All right, what you got coming up tonight? CBS well, 47 and Fox 30. This isn't gonna be on our newscast, but Iowa versus UNF tonight at seven o'clock. Yes, it in is. basketball, uh, the Ospreys. Uh, I, you know, this would be interesting to see if the Ospreys could pull an upset here. Uh, yeah, they've, they've made more three pointers than anybody in the country to this point. They're four and one. It's the best start in the Division One era. And I'm playing with confidence that they won't shy down with these games. I don't know how good Iowa is, John. Maybe you do. But it's not like they're the 13th-ranked team in the country under Fran McCaffrey. So uh, I'd love to see Fran McCaffrey throw a chair and, and Matthew Driscoll and UNF to, to win this game. I, I, I don't know how good they are either, the Hawkeyes. Uh, I don't know that anybody does. And I say that because they've been all over the board in this early part of the season. They've had um, – and they, you know I know that they have two really tall guys that play a lot. I think they're both over seven feet. Um, but I think that if UNF hits a lot of threes, they could definitely give them a run for their money and may 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 beat them. But I also know that Iowa has, you know, just by nature of who they are, probably have has a deeper bench and everything. So we'll see. Absolutely. Well, listen, the UNF. The one good thing about these kind of games, this is a team that's played together a lot. You know, like like Ty even said to me the other day, he's like, look at all these top teams and like UT Martin and and. 
whoever, name a team, UT San Antonio, or whatever it is. Uh, you know, people good. are hanging with Kansas, and, and yeah. you know, Evansville beat Kentucky. Well, the formula usually for that is for that Big Ten team, that that Power Five team, whatever it is, to have probably a younger squad or one that hasn't played together very long, and then that other school, the underdog school, to have a bunch of guys that have played together yeah. and have played a lot. And well, this is yeah. a UNF team that could pull an upset in the next, you know, four, five, six weeks against some of these teams because they have done that. Well, and I think that was always the the, the nod with Butler, uh, yeah. VCU is another one. Yep. You know, like what, where they have guys who have a lot of time playing together. They are, you know, upperclassmen and have more experience. And especially in the tournament time, when the tournament comes around, absolutely, that that's crucial, right there. Yes, yeah, it can be the difference, you know, in, yeah. in hoops. You see that more in hoops than anything else because there's so many with those big time teams. There's so many one and dones yeah. and so many young guys. Definitely. And I think if Iowa were to play them, you know, three out of best of five, perhaps Iowa wins. But on any given given night, if you get hot, I think UNF could easily win that game. So we'll see. Yeah. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a good game, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I, I just don't know. I mean, there's always blowout potential in these games too. That's yeah, the thing. I don't, you know, I don't think that's like... gonna, Iowa doesn't blow anybody out. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so unless, uh, right, unless UNF is doing it. All right. So coming up on uh, Action News Jackson Five on uh, CBS 47 and Fox 30, we got a couple of really big stories. Now we've been following the story of the the missing five year old. You know. Taylor Williams. Brianna Williams, her mom, was moved from the hospital to the jail today. So we're looking into all of that and what when her next court appearance is. And of course, she has been charged with child neglect um, and is a, a person of interest in the little girl's disappearance, but nothing um, has been finalized there. Um, we also have more on the Golden Ray, the cargo ship that capsized just up a little bit from where you guys are in, uh, in uh, the St. Simon Sound. And it turns out that thing's going to be there a lot longer than they thought. You know, when that thing originally capsized, they were hopeful that they could get it out of there in a, in a couple of months. It now sounds like it'll be there till the end of next year. It is, wow. uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. And uh, finally, uh, you guys, I know are going to be with the Jags, and the Jags have been doing a lot of great things in the community. Well, they always do, but particularly uh, with the salute to service stuff, which is I'm, I know why you guys are at Mayport. Um, we, we're going to highlight some of the things that they're doing, including um, care packages for deployed troops. Um, they got together and did some really cool stuff. So we're going to do all those things coming up at 5 o'clock tonight. And I'll see you at 5 and 6. I'll have a couple of reports on the TV side from here on the uh, USS Paul Ignatius. One thought uh, you mentioned, uh, what's the name of it again? Did you say the what ray? The the, the golden ray, yes. Golden ray. The cargo well, ship. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the RSM Classic is this weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, started today yeah. in St. Simons Island, Seaside Court, beautiful venue. And uh, I was up there for a media day two weeks ago, and Stuart was up there yesterday. The tournament starts. They have one of the greatest views from a driving range. You know, it's just right over the water. Nice. And the 18th hole, from the 18th hole on the plantation course, I believe, you can actually see that. It's not far from the, the actual golf course, John. I was wondering uh, if you the could. The Golden Ray. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. right there. I mean, it, 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 you can clearly see it. So it's well, part of the backdrop of that golf tournament That'll probably right be on now. the golf channel. Will the tournament be anywhere else? I'll have to watch that. It'll be kind of interesting to see if they show that and highlight that at all. I think it's a fully golf channel event golf all channel, weekend yeah. long. So it yeah. started today, though. Uh, we'll have a little bit of it uh, later on tonight uh, on action. Hey, Sports can you Jack. guys see any uh, littoral combat ships from where you are? You know, I've uh, followed those things. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of them at Mayport now, like five, I think. Can you see any? Can you, we can you recognize them? We probably can, but I don't fully understand what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> these these are the coolest them. ships they have. They, more specific. They are these these ships. They look like battleships from from above, but they have they're basically jet skis. 
These are military jet skis. They're they're big, huge ships, but they have four huge water jets, and they they can function like a. They don't have a propeller. They're just they're jet skis on on a military ship. What do you got, wow. Brent? Do I you, mean, I'm think I, I just don't think that's it over there. But so I don't uh, think so, John. Okay. But, um, not at ask least in Bill. our view. Have Bill I will pull ask one Bill. out to you. I will do that. All right. All right, man. All right, have, uh, we'll see you tonight. CBS 47, Fox 30. John Bachman, Tanika Hughes, Mike Burrish, and we'll join them as well on the sports side. Five until 7 o'clock uh, on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Then 7 o'clock, Jaguars All Access on Fox 30. When we come back, a little balling and falling, and we get back to some football talk as well on a Thursday edition. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We are live from Naval Station Mayport and live from the USS Paul Ignatius. As of right now, we got to play more consistent. Right now, we got high energy, high athletic teams, speed, fast. We just got to be more consistent. And I know teams are watching us saying that, you know, we go into halftime 10-7. We go into, you know, third quarter, close games. We just got to make sure we stay on top of it. Jaguars linebacker Najee Good. Hopefully they can get a little more uh, consistent against the Derrick Henry-led Tennessee Titans. ESPN 690 coming to you from the USS Paul Ignatius. Uh, Brent is kind of out and about right now. I'm not sure where he's at, so I'm taking over for a little bit. And, you know, it's crazy because you're meeting all you know all these great folks here, all these sailors on this ship, um, you know, all age groups and everything. But it seems like, uh, at least when I'm talking to them, the only thing they all have in common is the fact that they're all into sports. You know, so whether it's talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, there's a uh, guy by the name of Andrew I just talked to who's from Kansas City, so we talked about that a little bit. Um, I saw a girl with a UW Oshkosh shirt on, which is kind of right <laughs> in my backyard, so that was kind of a trip. But it's amazing just how sports, you know, I mean, that's that, that's always the dialogue, it seems like, wherever you go, where people want to talk about their sports teams and how they're doing. It's a good uh, common theme to talk about, plenty usually to talk about, a little bit safer than politics. Yes, sir. There we go. <laughs> Nicely put. Uh, that's why we kind of like it. Uh, Brett Martino, Austin Lane. We are live at Naval Station Bayport, USS Paul Ignatius. A little balling and falling, or or maybe, yeah, I'm gonna or, have to go to my cell phone no, real quick. No, let's go balling and falling. If you want to lead it off, Brent, and I'll I'll follow you lead if that's cool. Uh, sure. Or did, I think did you not have balling and falling ready? What's up? I was hoping you had the balling and falling. Okay, so do uh, you just want me to do it myself? Yeah. Okay, so balling. Uh, this is dating back to two weeks ago, but unfortunately we didn't get to it, but I'm going to bring it up now because it's a pretty cool story. Uh, Tyler Biotish is a center for the Wisconsin Badgers football team. Okay. Um, cool thing about him is actually we played, well, I didn't play against him, but we're from the same conference. He's from a, a small town called Amherst, Wisconsin. It's about five miles away from Iola. Well, a cool story with Tyler is the fact that after their game against, I believe, uh, now I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Um, it would have been against Nebraska. So after their game against Nebraska, uh, Tyler Biotis is leaving the stadium, and he notices a guy that appears to be lost. And this guy happened to be mentally challenged, and Tyler could tell he was uneasy and he looked a little confused. Well, what had happened was th- th- this Badgers fan um, came with a group of people. For whatever reason, uh, they kind of got separated, and he was lost, and obviously stressing out a little bit. Well, Tyler kind of you know, noticed this, sat the gentleman down and talked to him a little bit, and actually he got to use Tyler's phone. They got in contact with the guy's family, and they got it taken care of. 
But Tyler stayed with the guy for about 45 minutes and just kind of, you know, calmed them down and relaxed them a little bit. So I, I just think, you know, props to Tyler Biotis for doing that. Um, you know, for seeing that someone was in trouble, obviously, and just kind of helping them out a little bit, you know, helping them calm down. So balling to me is Tyler Biotis of the Wisconsin Badgers. You know, I always love in situations where people react in that genuine nature because you don't know how you're going to react in certain situations, right? Sure. There was a golfer last weekend that was trying to get his torque hard and needed a uh, uh, putt, and it was a short putt. Okay. And there was a big yell during his putt. And the golfer escapes me at the moment because sure. I didn't plan on bringing this up. Yeah. But, um, well, he, of course, was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, it was a huge putt for him. Yeah. And missed it. And, of course, golfers, you know, they aren't used to people yelling in the middle. And, you know, whether you think that's a little much or not. Sure. Bottom line is, this gentleman that did that felt so bad about it. And turns out he had Down syndrome. Mm. And the golfer realized every, they went over, gave him a hug. Kind of the, the reaction of it all was, you know, it wasn't just, yeah, all about me. You just screwed up my opportunity. It was more this this just genuine human moment sure. uh, for a golfer and uh, even the fan, you know, yeah. at the moment. So it was really cool when you see those situations just organically happen. Yeah. And it tells you a little bit about people. Because you can fabricate some of those situations. And, and what I always say is whatever you have in mind to do something nice, if it's something nice, who cares how you got there in a of way, course, you know. Of course. Uh, but when you see it just happen in real time sometimes yeah. is when you know of genuine, organic, all those kind of things yeah. um, come to mind. are and, and it really tells you a little bit about something. This is a golfer, by the way, I'd never even heard of. It was so it, it was pretty cool. It was a good moment for him, and uh, really we kind of live on some of those good moments sometimes when we have too many bad ones. Without a doubt. So Fallen, Brent, is it cool if I talk a little hockey quick? Absolutely. You cool with that? So Fallen, Garnet Hathaway. Uh, in case you didn't see cool. the news, Garnet Hathaway, his name is, plays for the Washington Capitals. Sounds more like a real estate investor, like right? doesn't sound like a hockey player. <laughs> Seriously, that's good. Garnet Hathaway? I don't know. It didn't sound like a hockey player to me. Anyways, Washington Capitals taking on the Anaheim Ducks. Um, There was a little scuffle that broke out between Garnet and a Ducks player. Well, unfortunately, the scuffle resulted in Garnet spitting in the opposing player's face. Now, here's the fall. Well, obviously, it's fallen in general. But here's kind of the comical, even more fallen part, is that he tried to appeal himself spitting in the player's face because obviously he got suspended for this. He tried to appeal it and what was his excuse, Brent? His excuse was the fact that when he got was in the scuffle, he got punched in the face and some drool actually came out and that's how this spit got on his opponent's what face. A heck of a obviously, you can just go back to the video and you can kind of break it down like, like a JFK Kevin Costner video, go back to the left, back to the left and you can see the guy blatantly spit in the dude's face. There's no saying he got punched and some drool came out. No. It was a blatant spit. Obviously it was, uh, it was upheld and he is doing his time now. Don't spit in other people's faces. Unbelievable. I don't uh, care if it's hockey or not. You still can't do that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not doing the balling and falling. Um, I can tell. Because, well, quite frankly, you don't I, have I, it. I, I couldn't prepare for it. There's it's so all much good. going on. Yeah. So, uh, but I would say, Kuz, how much fallen are the Golden State Warriors when they're down by like 46 or whatever it was to the Dallas Mavericks? Luka Donich, man. I mean, yeah, and he could be balling, by the way, right? Yeah. Um, the... It's just so weird, you know. It'd be like, you remember the game uh, a few years ago 
when the Patriots lost to the Chiefs to like start the year, their offensive line was a mess, oh, and they just got trounced yeah. on national Tom, TV. Tom Brady was, got benched. Yeah, that was yeah. that Thursday night game. Yep. And uh, there was a lot of talk right then about Brady. He's old. He's too old. He's not. You know, and yep. what whatever he's done since. Yep. But but you know how shocking that is to see like a team like the Patriots just get beat like that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that with the Warriors. Now they don't have the Bradys of the world, and they're Steph Curry and Draymond Green and and Durant and Clay Thompson. I mean, they've got plenty of excuses. But to look up at a score and see the Warriors down like 96 to 52, I think it was when I first turned it on sure. or, or noticed it, that's just oh, stunning, man. But, Brent, Brent, you're not seeing the big picture, man. Bless your heart. The Warriors are tanking, man. All right. Oh, that, that's fine. I'm just yeah. saying it still does. It's no, still amazing to see it. And, no, and I I mean, they've I mean, been I'm put kidding. in a tough spot. Probably but. not tanking. Well, and, and here's the sad thing, though, right? Clay Thompson's out. Steph Curry's out. Pretty much as Draymond Green right now and D'Angelo Russell. Well, assuming well, Green's been out too, right? I'm sorry. Green's oh, Draymond, maybe too. Green's okay. Well, I, sorry, I haven't followed the Warriors. I don't. I mean, they're oh, they're bad. scoring 52 points. Yeah, a game. exactly. There's not much to follow. <laughs> but from that perspective, though, Brent, let's say that this trend continues and they keep losing games, which 100% is going to happen. Now you're talking about a team in the Golden State Warriors who next year is going to have Steph Curry back, is going to have Klay Thompson back, is going to have Draymond Green at 100%. We'll see what happens with D'Angelo Russell. But then also we're talking about a guaranteed lottery pick, maybe the first pick of the draft now. Think about that, man. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when the Colts lost Manning yeah. and ended oh, up with Luck. How convenient. Here's Andrew Luck for you. Uh, yeah, it, it, unbelievable. Yeah, you, it was partly your fault. Uh... Yes, and I mean it's probably my fault that the Colts were bad, so they got Andrew Luck. I guess you're saying. So yeah, but it was like you're kind of backhanded giving me a compliment. No, no. <laughs> that was a compliment. Nope, it was a, it was it was a, a win late in the season. Sure, it didn't mean anything. You yeah. guys beat the Colts. Yeah, and that got him the first pick. I think to be fair, I don't think I was even around when they got Andrew Luck. No, I was around. Yeah, I'm been. sorry. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. So then you're you're welcome for beating Andrew Luck or for beating Peyton Manning. I think you, he was Howard, actually. It wasn't even Peyton Manning. No, it was when they were bad. Like, I know. Part of that year when they went like 1-15. Who was the and quarterback? Got the first pick. I can't even remember the quarterback. That's bad. But I, I don't, Nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, nobody does at Dark all. times for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, one, uh, one other uh, hoop question, because people love when we talk NBA. Oh, yeah. Um, but, Fan uh, favorite. Are we on, do you think, it's so far down the road, but the Clippers and Lakers? For is the West? What, is that what this is all headed toward? Oh, man. Like just an epic... Which will be better than the finals? He's talking about the West. Who's going to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously well, they're both well, in the West. But yeah, I mean, but I think I think the Rockets though too. I think a lot of people, at least I'm surprised that whatever they're doing with with Russell Westbrook and James Harden, um, there is a method to their madness, and, and they're having a lot of success so far in the season. Now, can they can they continue that success and can they gel? We'll see. But I think Houston's a viable uh, threat as well. And don't forget about the Denver Nuggets. You know. Because I bring up the Drive and Dish podcast, a couple of basketball topics, just to get you involved a little bit. And it's like you're off in the bathroom or going to get water or maybe <laughs> not even there. there. Are you eating? I no, I was, just, I, was just, I was listening to what you guys were saying. I was getting upset you were going to slight the nuggets like that, but Austin brought them up. So. Yeah, of course, well, Matt. I'm not slighting anybody. I'm telling you right well, now, it seems like there's the Clippers people think are going to be really good with those two guys. Sure. And right now the Lakers are really good, and they're winning people over. And I think... That's what everybody would sign up to see. I don't. I don't think anybody wants to see Houston or Denver or any either one in there. No, yeah. I think they want to see the Battle of LA in the West. And did Kawhi make the right decision? You sure. know, and and that battle going on. I mean, that's where if this was wrestling, 
Mm-hmm. That's the way this script would end in the West. Oh, uh, of course, yeah, and that's gonna be a really big story because let's be honest, as far as the Easton's concerned, uh, you got the Milwaukee Bucks. And then you got everybody else. All right, like Boston, yeah, Boston's off to a hot start. I get it. Blue-collar mentality. Brad Stevens got him playing good. We'll, we'll see what happens during the All-Star break after and everything like that. And the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, I'm not sure you've been following the Philadelphia 76ers lately, Brent, but they're not looking too hot. Yeah, Listen. Ben Simmons hit it. Uh, uh, excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, I'm not done yet. So Ben Simmons <laughs> hit a three-pointer, and everyone's going crazy. Oh, it's great. But let's be honest. The Philadelphia 76ers right now, they're not gelling. Joel Embiid, not happy. Uh, we could be looking at an absolute garbage disaster happening here in Philly if they don't change things around. That's interesting. You know, it's funny. is I did have a ball, and it was going to be Ben Simmons. Why not? It's the easiest one. Have you ever <laughs> seen somebody get a basket in the NBA and I know. be so celebrated outside That's of where TJ we're at McCullough? Right now. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> it was. Dude, it was what do you think about the 76ers, though, man? I, I think there's a lot of passionate fans overreacting to the situation. They've won two in a row. They're 5-5 five and five in their last ten. Like, they're, yeah. what, two games behind your bucks? Imagine, lo- imagine losing five games in, like, the first four weeks of the NBA season. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Uh, here's the deal, too. Uh, Kuz led today's sports update. Oh, yeah. With the Sixers and Ben Simmons three-pointer. Excuse me? That's how much he was into the Ben Simmons three-pointer. Not even, not even like, not even like, hey, Ben Simmons hit a, th- hit a three. I said, let's sit back and bask in this and play he did. Play he the used clip. the word bask. Truth, be honest. When Ben Simmons hit that three-pointer, did you call your family back in Philly and just kind of celebrate a little bit? I had, Just kind of tell them I love, I love you guys very much? I had seven people text me <laughs> about it. Over a three-pointer. That's what I'm saying. Do you remember a sport or something like that where a guy hit? Like I don't even. In this day and age, everybody hits home runs. So like, yeah. not even like a home run being celebrated. Even a pitcher hitting a home run is like not that big a deal. Doesn't even feel no. like it. You know, this has been the most anticipated point bucket guard of all time. Hits a three pointer and we lose our minds. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I I don't even know. I'm I'm really trying to think in the NFL, well, like, like a guy Sh- getting a touchdown, a guy making a catch. I feel like Shaq even hit a three pointer once. You know, I, I mean, don't know. I mean, maybe it's like Quentin Nelson was touchdown, but even that was kind of yeah. I was gonna say Quentin. I was gonna say the refrigerator Perry. Yeah. You know, maybe scoring a touchdown this but that wasn't like anticipated. No, it's like it's, everybody's it's been talking about Ben culture. Simmons and his three pointer forever. Not shaping the culture. All yeah. of a sudden, look out, Steph Curry. Ben Simmons hit a three <laughs> three pointer. I mean, All it takes is one, you go from there. It's really silly. Hey, he's it's a hundred percent on. Season. It's a silly topic, I and mean, I'm a little disappointed, Coos, in that update you didn't go sound full on the three-pointer um, this morning, but maybe next time. Maybe his next three-pointer in three years. I don't I don't know what sound full even means, but I'll, I'll like, take your word for it. Just we would, I whole. would really say nats full, like in the natural sound of, oh. or the play-by-play call okay. uh, of the three. Yeah, absolutely. Like, did the Philly announcer go berserk? Oh, you I'm so. sure they all did. I'm sure everyone, like... Did, was that game, did Mike Breen do that game? Bang! <laughs> no, I, I don't think he was doing that game. That's the thing is, like, I think the announcers were actually, like, debating who was going to be the one that would get to call it, you know? <laughs> like, because, because it's going to be, it's like right up there with the Miracle on Ice and everything. <laughs> Al, is that Al I'm sorry, what's the guy's name? The call yeah, Miracle Al on Michaels. Ice. Yeah, yeah, Al Michaels, yeah. <laughs> like, it's right up there with that kind of lore and everything. It's Ben Simmons hitting one three-pointer. That's, uh, yeah. 
That's it's. I don't know if it's America on ice, but it's, imagine what Jim Nance would have come up with <laughs> if he could have called the three pointer. It should have been from the land ben of good Simmons. and plenty. I, I, I've been preaching that phrase for a while now. I would do when we get the UNF Ospreys hoop team games. I'm going to do that. I want to hear it once. Good and plenty. I want to hear it once, and obviously you're going to hear it from me when I'm playing with the Jacksonville uh, Giants when I'm shooting. Yeah, that's as right. Well. I might. Uh, I might jump in on that announce. Game <laughs> Who has bit. more threes, Ben Simmons at that point, or you after that game? Well, well I hey. tell you this: professionally, Ben Simmons and I are tied. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm not sure if I'm going to get one, but I'm going to chalk up about ten of them. All right, I'm, I'm going to let it fly. Uh, yeah, you, that's what you think. Oh, I am because they don't want you to shoot. Well, that's fine. I'm they sh- defend hey. you more than anybody hey. else. Believe me. That, that's cool. I'm still shooting. I'm still I'll getting my some. shot off. I'll, I'll get my I'll, shot off. I'll, I'll give them some scouting reports on you too. <laughs> hey, when we come back, the big story of the day when we just got on was Miles Garrett. There's a new bit of information on the Miles Garrett and his uh, alleged comments about Mason Rudolph during his appeal that got upheld. We'll revisit that, plus around the NFL coming up in just a bit, too. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more than the Jaguars, but we do talk some more Jags. We are live at Naval Station Bayport here on ESPN 690 here on a Thursday. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, I'm Jay DeMarcus from Rascal Flats, and this is Action Sports Jacks. Especially, man, when the D-line up there getting it, man, when Josh up there getting sacks and him, Calais, and Yarn, I mean, that make my job a lot more easier, you know, because we back there, we going to cover for him. And I tell Calais, she's like, hey, all I need is three seconds. I'm like, bro, I give you five, you know what I'm saying? But we just got to do it. <laughs> That's DJ Hayden, Jacksonville Jaguars, Nickel Corner. It's like, can you not say, like, what Calais would say without doing the voice? Hey, what? Was that Quez Campbell? Was that like a crossbreed between like Eeyore and I don't know what that was, man. I, wow. Listen, I've heard many a, a player try to Can't mimic do it. the the Calais Campbell voice, and Can't it's, do it. it's just impossible to do. I think you I, can't draw the Mona Lisa, and you can't mimic Calais Campbell's voice. It's I agree just, with you. It's too perfect. I think it's pretty hard uh, yeah. to do. Brett Martino, Austin Lane. It's a cool day for us. We are out here at uh, Naval Station Bayport on the USS. Paul Ignatius, really fun day for just joining us. Uh, we took a tour of uh, this destroyer, uh, this ship, a little earlier, and uh, the, just cool people letting us, uh, educating us, really, but yeah. letting us hang around and, and what they do on a daily basis. And we're going to have our TV show coming up tonight, 7 o'clock, Jaguars All Access. That one uh, on Fox 30, and it will be right here, just behind us, actually, as all our uh, fine folks from CBS 47 and Fox 30, Action News Jacks, are setting up uh, for our television show. The radio show setup is a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I didn't know what goes into making your TV show work here, Brent, but well, we got like five people, six people on staff right now setting this thing up. It looks pretty intense. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty intense. I've been out here a while, and there's a lot of things that go into the television side of it to make it look good. I mean, I think we just look fine on the video platforms here on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Twitch. Yeah. Uh, once again, I thank you. More than a million views here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And if you get a chance to view this, it's a pretty cool backdrop on a window but beautiful day here at Mayport. So once again, uh, we're going to have to do this a little bit more often, I, oh, I think, right? Bill Austin said, hey, come on out, do this anytime Yeah, yeah, said, he okay. was pretty enthusiastic about that, and, and I'm in, man. Like, this was, like I said, I mean, as far as the locations are concerned, we've been to pretty cool spots. This one might take the cake because, like I said, I've, I've played the video games before, Brent, but actually to, to be on uh, a battleship, you know, it's it's a pretty cool thing. And it's way better than the movie was uh, also. <laughs> Did you ever see Battleship? I didn't. With Rihanna? Nah. Very disappointing. Very? <laughs> That's no name. Very disappointing. Rihanna or the movie? Movie. No, don't. Come on, man. Don't badmouth Rihanna. I'm talking about the movie Battleship was disappointing. Hey, the big story today 
is Miles Garrett just happened right before our show yeah. about the suspension being upheld. Their appeals have all been heard. I, I didn't realize that process was so quick uh, for something like this, but it was quick. And Marquis Pouncey's suspension reduced from three games to two. A little bit surprised, to be honest with you. I didn't think anything would be reduced. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe more fines could be and would be uh, dealt out. And I think we're still waiting to hear that part of it. But the appeals have now been done, and Miles Garrett is upheld. Uh, indefinite suspension continues. And so it will be a revisit with the commissioner of the NFL at some point to get back in the league. And we know it's through this year. Playoffs included if the Cleveland Browns are fortunate to make it that far. But there was a new development in the Miles Garrett situation because several reports from ESPN, Adam Schefter, and I think Josina Anderson as well, saying that during that appeals process, Miles Garrett said a racial slur was used by Mason Rudolph that prompted his outrageous action with the helmet and hitting Mason Rudolph eventually with a swinging helmet uh, last Thursday night. We talked about it at the top of the show. And the NFL has since said, Brian McCarthy, who's the PR man for the NFL, according to Schefter, said that there is no evidence of that. So, again, it could be simply he said, she said. But there's a lot at stake here. Mason Rudolph, if you've been listening to our updates, his his attorney said this is much more harmful than even the helmet hit, yep. uh, accusing someone of that if it didn't happen. And you started the show by saying there are some peculiar timeline things that make you wonder how true this would have been uh, from a Miles Garrett situation, even yep. though something like that would you make you go and react a little bit out of norm. And listen, I haven't really been on social media the past couple hours here, so I don't know what's transpired. But I haven't heard of any of his teammates coming to Miles Garrett's defense. Okay? Because, and listen, I'm not Miles Garrett, all right? But if someone was to call me the N-word on the field, not only would I retaliate, but I would also clue those close to me, my teammates, my brothers, um, what transpired. And from there, and I get it, it's a structured environment, it's a sport, but when that gets brought into play, when a derogatory term like that, especially from your opponent, gets brought into play, I mean, you you talk about like malice in the palace and things like that, Brandon Basketball, I mean, you bring that into play and you say, hey, this guy said what he said, and he's he's, he's a white quarterback, Uh, there would be retaliation, if not on the field, off the field, in the locker room, in the tunnel. Uh, on the sidelines, wherever it would be, that would be addressed and would be taken care of. Now, guys might get fined. Guys could get suspended. I get that. But there's just some things where it's bigger than football. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things. So the fact that we didn't see any of those trans- transgressions like you know, uh, aspire, we didn't see any of those things take place. We just saw Miles Garrett take, this hel- take Mason Rudolph's helmet, try to beat him with it. That got squashed, and then both teams went to the respective locker rooms, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Okay? And that red flagged you on these allegations. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that nothing occurred after that, the fact that players weren't coming forward and saying, well, Mason Rudolph said this, and that's not right, you know, the fact that Miles Garrett didn't even say anything until he had to mute the NFL officials, it's just, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm never going to call anybody a liar when I don't know the whole situation. But like I said before, it's very peculiar. Yeah, it's peculiar on, on a couple of fronts. And, and this, I've tried to think about it, right, from different sure. different ways. First of all, Miles Garrett would love this re- re- suspension to be reduced. Oh, without right. a doubt, yeah. And, and everybody would like it reduced. Uh, that's that's on his team, his camp. You know? yeah. uh, so what would you do? Could you say anything to try to get it reduced? And a lot of people even hinted 
last week said, well, what sparked this? Did Mason Rudolph say anything? They brought it up. They didn't say he did, but they wondered if he did. And so that curiosity was already out there. And so I think from Miles Garrett's, I'm trying to put myself in his spot a little bit. And would you say, I'm going to try to wiggle my way out of this as much as I can. I don't think anything, I'm not in front of a microphone. This stuff doesn't go public. This is at NFL headquarters. This is an appeal. This is all those things. Would you just say something like that to try to do the best you could to get out of the situation? Then all of a sudden, that leaks out, and now it becomes this. Yeah. You know, and so if if that is the case, if it was something like that scenario that I just painted, and again we have no idea, but you're trying to see how do we get to this point? Well, you talk about making a compound error, well, one swing of the helmet, and then this accusation—that's very dangerous uh, to do. I, I think this will live, as he said, she said, because the NFL did not change the suspension, which means they don't believe it or didn't find enough as pointed out by the NFL just a short time ago, evidence of this happening. Let me go and ask you this. If you're Mason Rudolph or Mason Rudolph's camp, because there was rumors that they're going to sue for the helmet incident, which I was against because I said if you yeah. if you go after somebody, yeah. you buy the ticket, you take the ride, and you accept the consequences, you don't sue somebody. And for they that. said they weren't going but, to sue. Okay, great. But if you're Mason Rudolph now, and these allegations, let's say, are obviously false, do you try to seek legal stuff there? Yeah, well, I think the, well, the words of his attorney... What he said today yeah. in a statement yeah. about Mason Rudolph might indicate he could but I'm asking and if, would. But I'm asking if you're Mason Rudolph, do you do it yourself? Or do I, you still, is it still... I'm trying to put this thing to bed. Yeah. And it's what makes it even worse if it, this didn't happen and Miles Garrett's bringing it up. Put this thing to bed. Yeah. And so I probably would not, but i got to see a little bit more. I'm not ready to answer that fully. Okay. See how these days play out. If Miles Garrett comes back and says anything else, does this evolve into something else? Do they find some audio? I'd kind of sit on this one for a little bit. When we come back, we talk more about the NFL. We'll get Ryan O'Halloran's opinion on this as well. Live from the USS Paul Ignatius on ESPN 690. Got over. You know, I, mean, I had a long talk uh, with the coach, but, I mean, the most, uh, I think, certainly the talk I had was my dad. I think he kind of put everything in uh, perspective with me. You know, also I talked to Marcus Allen this week. So I think uh, those guys put uh, a lot of things uh, in narrative for me. That's pretty cool from Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Talked to Marcus Allen, talked to a lot of people about it. Uh, Man, I tell you, the maturity of Leonard Fournette continues to show. I mean, you, you know, you can pout, you can be immature in a hurry, you can be very selfish in this game, I think. Yeah. You know, especially at that position. When you don't get the ball and you're a big part of it, and I think everybody wants to see Leonard get the ball more than eight times, that's for sure. Yeah. But you can take a different tack to that. It can go south in a hurry, especially when you lose two big ball games. And part of that reason you lost is because you didn't get the football. Uh, at least part of it is you didn't get the football. So uh, you got to appreciate all the things that Leonard Fournette has done. And I think this latest action, his words, uh, pretty good. Had conversations with the coaches. I, I love the, the Marcus Allen tidbit yeah. there. I mean, that's really good stuff to be able to seek out and, and how to handle this stuff. This happens to players. Yes. Um, this isn't just an isolated Leonard Fournette thing. But I think it continues to show his growth. We have Ryan O'Halloran jumping in just a moment. We are live from Naval Station Mayport, the USS Paul Ignatius. During this interview, I'm going to step out for a couple minutes. i got to do TV, so Austin will take it. Then I'll jump back in right after I do a, a little bit of TV on CBS 47 and Fox 30 from the USS Paul Ignatius. Before we do all that, let's hit the happy hour horn to get this 5 o'clock hour started.
beautiful ladies marching in. That's enough for everyone to win. We're gonna make this party the best thing I've made. This is my favorite place. Nothing will replace. No. Anything goes. Gangsters are rolling. And they smiling. And so I think that the rhythm was your drinking. Anything goes. Grab a drink and get a shot. Tip your star tenders. Hey, uh, Vita Dilouis recently got a 98 rating. Go check them out. VitaDilouis.com. Go to uh, VitaDilouis.com for all the locations and the merchandise. Made in Tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach, a locally owned tequila, right here in Jacksonville. Those flavors have now hit the stores. Find out where and how you can get it. VitaDilouis.com. All right, let's welcome in Ryan O'Halloran. Formerly of the Florida Times Union, now the Denver Post covers the Denver Broncos, and I'll probably have to check out uh, in the middle of this thing, which isn't a problem for you, I'm sure. Maybe you guys will just talk wrestling. But uh, <laughs> hey, the latest on the Miles Garrett situation. What is your take on this whole deal over the last week, man? Well, he got what he deserved in terms of suspension, uh, and I didn't expect it to be reduced because the NFL wants to set a precedent here. Hey. You cannot use the helmet as a weapon, especially when the other man has no helmet on. And uh, I think the fact that happened on national TV maybe didn't impact the suspension, but it did impact how quickly a decision was made, how quickly the appeal was heard, etc. Um, I do like them limiting Pouncey's suspension to two games uh, because he was defending his teammate, and also that keeps him out of the next Browns-Steelers game. Ryan, you've heard Miles Garrett now kind of come forward, at least something leaked out saying the fact that Mason Rupp, um he's accusing him of using a racial term on the field. What was your kind of your first thought about that? Because I'll, I'll be honest, when I heard that, um, you know, obviously I was kind of skeptical just because I've been on that field and I know if a player said something like that, uh, there's going to be a, a, a lot more retaliation either on the field with his teammates or even it'll carry over to the locker room after. So when, when you hear those kind of accusations, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, you talk about a Hail Mary. I mean, if, if that, in fact, happened, why didn't that come out that night? Why didn't that come out the next day with all the apologies the Browns issued? I mean, to me, this reeks of desperation. And, like, it's it way too late. If I'm the league, if, I'm, if I was James Thrash, Jack Brooks, looking over this decision, I would say, I don't believe you because you just brought it up now. And uh, pretty shady on Garrett's part if he is making that up. Were you surprised that Mason Rudolph wasn't, like, you know, fined any games or any kind of fines at all for money purposes, but also maybe suspended a game? Because, let's be honest, he was part of the altercation as well. He was part of it, and I, I think his fine was the gist of it. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, you don't want to suspend him a game for getting hit with, hit with his own helmet. And I just feel like at that point, it was the last minute of the game, Garrett was the instigator in terms of hitting him to the ground, not letting go. That does absolve Rudolph of uh, complete blame, but I think he got what his penalty should have been as well. Sure. Talking to Ryan O'Halloran here from the Denver Post. Ryan, obviously another big story still in the world of the NFL is Colin Kaepernick and his workout and everything like that. Um, you know, there was some video release. You saw him throwing the ball a little bit. 
Uh, obviously, he kind of did himself a disservice a little bit um, in terms of maybe getting a job from the standpoint where he opted to do uh, the workout at a different spot than the NFL wanted. Um, from your perspective, you know, and you know, obviously being around the, the game and everything, do you think like we this is kind of the end now of Colin Kaepernick, or is, is he still going to be prevalent in the media, and will he maybe get another shot someplace? Well, I, I, unfortunately, I think he is going to be prevalent in the media because it drives clicks, drives viewership, um, et cetera. I thought he did do himself a disservice, and I think we talked about this last week, Austin. Mm-hmm. The old phrase, beggars can't be choosers. And right now he has no basis, no leverage to choose where he's going to have this workout. Um, you know, for, for, for one time, for two hours, he should have, you know, maybe he should have fallen in line and say, okay, I disagree with the setup, but I'm here to, I'm here to perform. I'm here to talk to teams. I'm here to answer any questions. I'm here to throw the football. Then, uh, uh, yeah, moving forward, ahead. then he could do what he wanted to do. You know, th- that's correct, you know, and I guess my only argument is going to be the fact of, to me, and we talked about this on the show um, after it happened, but to me, with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, with the NFL kind of coming forward and say, listen, we have teams that are interested, we're giving him an opportunity. See, to me, Ryan, I'm be honest, to me, that was a circus in itself, because for teams to yeah. come forward and actually say they're interested in Colin Kaepernick, you, you know how cutthroat the league is, Ryan, and, and the fact that no team signed up to have a private workout before this took place because a team wants to get every single advantage that they can. So you say Colin Kaepernick comes out in front of you know 25 teams or whatever the number was. He comes out and he performs well. Well, now you're going to have all these bidders. So to me, I don't think a team was ever really interested in Colin Kaepernick in the first place. I think it was just, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, it was a circus to the standpoint, like, listen, people are still asking where Colin Kaepernick is. It is still a very hot-button issue. And I think the NFL tried to cover their you-know-what a little bit to try to get ahead of this. But in doing that, I think it caused more controversy because Colin Kaepernick you know, countered the circus of the NFL trying to get this all in place with a circus of his own. I mean, do you think there was any chance that Colin Kaepernick would be signed by a team if he would have agreed to their terms and stipulations? Uh, no, not right away. And and that's one thing we talked about last week, too, is yeah. let's say he would have worked out in front of 25 teams and it would have went well. His goal should have been for a GM or coach to call his camp this week and said, hey, we like what the tape showed. We like what you had to say. We're going to revisit this after the season, which is less than two months away. Okay. That would have been that would have been a successful day for Kaepernick. I go back uh, back to the fact of does he even want to play? Okay, he moves the workout, and then afterwards he basically tells the owners, "Don't run away, don't be scared." Well, it's not it's not you to judge that. Um, I did not like that ninety second statement at all. It, it didn't come off as somebody who's been humbled at all, or even wants an opportunity. Talking to Ryan Howland here for the Denver Post. Uh, you guys traveling to Buffalo this weekend? If I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep. And uh, Buffalo in, is in that uh, seven and three range. A couple of games behind the Patriots. And it's I, I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting week for the AFC because you have your halves and you have your halves, your have nuts, and, and, and those teams in the middle. Two of those teams are in the middle tonight with Houston and Indy. I think yeah. if Indy wins tonight, they got the division and the driver's seat because you know they have a head to head against Houston. I don't like the Jaguars' chances. Austin, I don't like the Jaguars' chances on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be kind of my next question going into it is, what, you know, what do you think about the state of the Jaguars now, obviously? Um, it, you know, and it, listen, it seems like with this Jaguars team, Ryan, where 
Take the take the Carolina Panther game for instance. Christian McCaffrey comes out and I get it, he's a great running back, but he he had his highlight film of the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And one could argue Carlos Hyde and that rushing attack of the Houston Texans, they had their highlight film too in London. But it seems like the common trend of those things for the most part now, granted, the, the Houston game and Indianapolis game are different now, but for the most part, when they struggle against the run like they did against Carolina, well, then they come back out and they stop mixing and they stop Camara. I mean, if, if you're a Jaguars fan, is is it under the realm of possibility to think, you know what, obviously Tennessee wants to pound with, with Derrick Henry. Can the Jaguars shut him down, or is the writing on the wall now what we've seen the past two weeks allowing two uh, teams to have 200 yards rushing on you? I mean, is it a matter of time before Derrick Henry chooses to go off now? Well, traditionally under Todd Walsh, they've, they've followed a, a horrible game against the run with a good game. That's why the last two games have been alarming. Is obviously... They had time to look at the tape, make some adjustments, see where their fits were, and, okay, this is what you do to stop it. Well, it didn't work, even coming off a bye. Derrick Henry's got to be salivating at this chance because he's had some big carries and big games against the Jaguars, but he's had a couple other games where he's been, he's been neutralized. My problem is they've never played well up there. I mean, they won there Gus's first year in 13. That was a terrible Titan team. Uh, they were embarrassed there last year. And just watching Doug Marone's press conference yesterday, I saw a guy who may look out of answers, and uh, yeah. like he is in trouble, and the ship has sailed, all the cliches you want to use, because they probably have felt they tried everything. They probably were banking on the fact that Nick Foles was going to give them a boost and lead them to victory. It didn't turn out that way. He had a lot of rust. Listen, Ryan, I'm not sure how many, how much time you spent watching that Jaguars-Colts game, but to me, the writing was on the wall. You know, as, especially as a, as a defense, you had to shut down the run game. You, you had to stop Marlon Mack. Um, they had a bunch of wide receivers. I'll be honest, man. I didn't know who half those guys were. T.Y. Hilton was out. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett was back, so that was a big plus for them. But to me, the writing's on the wall where you had to shut down the run game. And, you know, we, we came in the studio on Monday, and, and, I, and I think a lot of the fan base would agree with Brent, too, where, you know, you, you want to blame the players, right? Like, Miles Jack didn't play that well. Um, Avery Jones had a lot of uncharacteristic things happen when he was out there. Obviously, Clayus Campbell, um, you know, he, he kind of struggled a little bit. But my point is the fact that you can go down that entire team on offense and defense, set aside from DJ Chark, and say none of those guys performed to their capabilities. And when you say that to that many players, Ryan, does that fall directly on coaching? And do questions need to be asked right now about that coaching staff? Um, I would say there needs to be questions asked. And when you have a total system breakdown like that, it's okay. Where's the disconnect? It'd be one thing if you gave up 264 yards rushing, but you gained 500 yards. You just you just were out firepower, but you did a lot of good things. Nothing went right for the, the Jags. I mean, to go down 31-7 to a Colts team that had lost to the Dolphins the previous week, I mean, that's inexcusable. And what jumped out about the rushing stats for the Colts is they had a long rush of 48 yards. They averaged 7.3. It's not like they had a 90-yard run to skew the average. Yeah. I mean, they just they just hit them in the mouth and did it all game. So that's that's got to be a concerning part because you want to have your run defense short up when you go to Tennessee because you know that's what you're going to face. Absolutely. You know, and uh, we got a couple more questions here. Ryan O'Hallen joining us from the Denver Post talking all things NFL, especially the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Jaguars go to, to Tennessee. They don't normally play well there. You know what Tennessee is going to do. I get it. Ryan Tannehill is the guy now. 
they've implemented a little more of the passing game. Delaney Walker's coming back. Corey Davis is coming back. But let's be honest, man. This is going to be a physical, tough-fought game in the trenches. So let's go ahead and assume that the Jaguars team that shows out, that showed against the Texans, that showed out against the Colts, shows up to Tennessee. And they get beat not only on the field, but, you know, also, I guess, just physically and mentally as well as just to get out physical. Um, is it safe to say from the coaching perspective, will there be changes made? And if they are, what are your predictions for that if the Jaguars do kind of uh, have another bad game against the Titans here? Well, I'm sure a couple of people have thought that Todd Walsh was in trouble last year, mid-year, this year, mid-year, right now. Um the changes part is interesting because if if you if you get if you lose to Tennessee, there's five games left. You just want to maybe just ride out the season, see if you can maybe try some new players, see what some young guys can do. Even though you're playing still a ton of young guys, but the, I think they probably have made all the changes they're going to make. You know, when they've changed offensive coordinator the last couple of years, they felt like that was going to create a spark. I'm not sure what change in defensive play callers is going to do. Maybe maybe Doug Marone gets a little more involved on that side and makes some suggestions. The key for the Jaguars is I always like Yannick Ngakwe against Taylor Wan. I, I think he I think that's a matchup the Jaguars should win all day, and they did two years ago on New Year's Eve. Key is you got to get them in the passing situations. Tannehill's still been sacked a lot, 17 times in five games, so that line isn't great as a pass protecting group. But you have to do something on the first down to make Tannehill throw it, make him drop back because he's not he's not greatly mobile, but the way the Jaguars get a road win is strip sack, fumble, short field, interception, pick six, something, something early, so the players on the sidelines aren't going. Here we go again. This is not going to be good. Ryan O'Halloran, man, we appreciate you coming on the show as you do every single week. I guess I got one more final question before we let you go here. Uh, it's a little off the cuff here, but you guys are traveling to Buffalo. Um, as far as what you've seen around the NFL, and I'm sure you've been to a lot of places, obviously craziest tailgaters out there right now the Buffalo Bills fans I'll share a quick little story and then we'll let you go my my welcome to the NFL moment uh, my, my first year playing in the league was we traveled to Buffalo and I, had, I knew nothing about it didn't know where Orchard Park was didn't know where the stadium was but as we're driving to Orchard Park as you probably know it's kind of off in the country a little bit and it reminded me a lot of Green Bay you know I mean it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and when you talk about Green Bay you're talking about some humble you know and just welcoming fans well our bus pulls up outside the stadium and i kid you not there is a hundred fans uh, of all ages grandmas children <laughs> all in a straight line giving us the middle finger as we pull up to the stadium i was like wow this is uh this is kind of a crazy atmosphere so from your perspective because you've been in a lot of places uh probably one of the craziest fan bases around it is, and you know, two years ago, all they talked about how they they were the Bills were going to infiltrate Jacksonville and buy all the tickets for that playoff game. Well, they bought the tickets, all right. They're just parking passes because they sure as hell weren't in the stadium because that was all Jaguar fans. But you're right about Buffalo Stadium. Literally, to get the Bills the Bills Stadium, they tell you take a left at Austin's house. Then there's the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. But I will compare Buffalo fans. The closest I can come to compare them. Are the Philadelphia fans? Yeah, good oh, one, uh, Ryan O'Halloran. Uh, hey, by the way, I think what my interpretation of that that story from Austin was he was intimidated by a grandmother in Buffalo. Well, that or well, maybe Randy could be tough now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do have one question before I let you go. Hopefully, you don't have to run right away. But uh, this is the worst year of the NFL in terms of haves and have-nots that I can remember. Yeah. Is there any context on that? Do, do you remember it being like this, uh, where you have so many teams that are 
are, are maybe good, but so many teams that are definitely bad. It just doesn't set up like this very often in the NFL. I mean, you always will have a handful of teams one way or the other, but there are just so many. And is that a problem for the NFL? Well, if, if you're Goodell, you should be alarmed by this because of these teams that have are having bad seasons, only one Miami basically unofficially announced, we're expecting this this year. Yeah, Atlanta thought they were going to be good. The Broncos thought they'd be a, bit, a little bit better. The Jets thought they would be better. I mean, the Jaguars, they thought they would have a better record. And usually if, if you have a 10 or 11 losses, you're guaranteed a top 10 pick. Not this year. I mean, you may be picking 11 or 12. So, so remember, you know, it used to be the no man's land was like 7 and 9, 8 and 8. Now it's like 6 and 10. You're caught in between. I think it's something that Rodgers should be concerned about because that impacts TV ratings. Um, it's not in you know, the Monday night schedule is getting good this year because they got Rams, Ravens next week, but uh, bad teams do not draw eyeballs outside of the local markets. That's where the concern probably is with the league, but not to the point where it's the NBA where you have teams outwardly tanking. Absolutely, Ryan O'Halloran. And by the way, didn't even mention the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a hundred million dollar quarterback there riding behind. They didn't expect a winless year, that's for sure. Maybe not the Super yeah, Bowl, it, but definitely not a winless year. You know, and, and when you see teams winless this late, you harken back to the thirteen Jags, who started zero and eight, and they won four of the last eight. One of the great coaching jobs ever with that roster. So. Um, you hope Cincinnati, if they played a lot of one-possession games, you hope they, they do win one or two because 0-16 is not fun for anybody. No, nah, it certainly is not. Uh, Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post covers the Denver Broncos. Safe travels this week, man. Thanks for jumping on with us. All right, you two guys, thanks. All right, uh, Ryan O'Halloran, good to talk around the NFL. We're going to take a timeout. It's going to be a cool moment here at Naval Station Mayport. They retire the colors, and that happens, so we have to remove ourselves from the USS Paul Ignatius. We are going to do that right now. We'll go to break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the show in just a little bit. Live from Naval Station Mayport on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Thursday. Now I got a chance a couple of weeks to actually take a step back and actually see how linebackers play linebackers in the NFL. So I actually watched Najee, Najee get at the wheel spot, actually playing the linebacker position. So then it's just showing me like what I need to do and how I need to play it. And now just moving at a faster pace for me. So it, it helped me out a lot, especially like this week of practice. We're back on the USS Paul Ignatius. I think we're joined by Stuart Weber in the studio. Uh, I hope you guys can see us in the background here. If you're watching on one of our streaming platforms, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, no longer on Mixer, I don't think, uh, on Facebook as well. But uh, I'll tell you right now, man, someone's got to take a screen cap of this and make this like their wallpaper on their computer because this is a, an incredible view here. We, we have to experience them lowering the flag and, and that whole process right there, uh, which is really a cool scene. Uh, so obviously we had to leave the deck for a second while they do that, but we, you know, we we have to watch them do that. So that was uh, that was very cool as, uh, as well. So joined by uh, Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber, man. Yes. What you got for us? What's happening? We're a little salute to service. That's that's pretty cool uh, that you got a little battle of the sunsets and a little hashtag salute to service all in one uh, while you guys are out there. It, it looks gorgeous, obviously, from what we can yeah. tell with the video feeds. Uh, just a fantastic night for the well, show, and uh, and a good chance to kind of go check it out. I heard you guys uh, toured the the ship a little earlier. That we did, and yeah. Speaking of battle of the sunsets, I might be in for battle of hypothermia because I made a tactical error by not wearing pants out here. I'm wearing shorts right now. Huge mistake on my part, but I am a Wisconsin boy at heart, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pump through. All right, well, bless your heart on that. Uh, you, you talk about <laughs> the the weather and 
It's interesting that you do that. It was one of the things I was going to bring up while you guys were off and away if we had to talk about it. In the locker room today, uh, Leonard Fournette was making a point about the weather and just what's kind of expected here in Nashville, Tennessee on Sunday and that it's going to be a little chilly. Only a high of 55 up there in Nashville this week. And that's the kind of game that Leonard Fournette likes because it hurts when you hit someone. It hurts when you get hit. So he's looking to dole out some pain to those Titans defenders and find out who wants to get hit and who's just kind of here to, to look pretty on TV. Well, and that was always the most one of the, uh, the ironic things about it. And it seemed like whenever we played in Tennessee, those are some of the coldest games. And it's funny Fournette brings that up because some of the worst experiences I had playing football was the fact that when you start cold and you get that first hit, whether you're on offense or defense or even a running back or whatever position you play, it always takes that first hit to kind of warm you up a little bit. But it's just it is the process of getting warmed up because everything's numb. You get hit, immediately everything hurts, but then you get some blood flow going, you feel good. But it's always the initial first hit uh, on contact. So hopefully the Jaguars can, you know, get the ball for first, get Fournette going early, and uh, kind of deliver some damage. You say so that, but... Was- I was going to say, let, let me give you my plan. Just don't get hit. I've never had the first hit, so I haven't had to worry about subsequent <laughs> so, so it hits. Works. So it works, absolutely. Yeah. What was, uh, Leonard, we heard a sound. I thought it was uh, That was Quincy another, you just heard a second ago. No, no, we heard oh, earlier. Okay, yeah. And 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 I think it just shows if people are just joining us. I mean, he said how he talked to the coaches and talked to Marcus Allen. I think he mentioned his dad in there as well. Yep. And so he, he, he really got some outside uh, kind of a uh, – at least therapy, if you will, yeah. uh, from people that he knew and people that have played the game. And I just think it's another sign of his growth uh, as a player. I, I, I think I think the whole Jags fan base was mad at 47 passes and nine rushes. You've got one of the best running backs in the league here in 2019. You got eight touches in this football game that you got crushed, and it was 10 to 7 at halftime. So I think he had every right to be mad. I think he was probably mad. But I love the way he responded to it here this week. And I don't know how long that took for him to get over it. Maybe it took Monday and Tuesday and went back in the building on Wednesday. But I just believe it's another sign of growth. I mean, you know, you, you heard his sound in the locker, locker room Sunday, Stuart, yeah. where he was like, talk to the coaches, talk to the coaches. He was very short. It's like, I'm not answering questions. And then to hear him today, I just think, uh, you know, I don't know if we're supposed to applaud people for, for their maturity and growth, but I think when you when you put it against last year and what we were saying about him, I just think this is another illustration of it. Well, and that's one of the tough things with a player like Leonard Fournette, who's a guy that we only talk to once a week in the locker room. Thursday is his you know, quasi-designated day to speak, and, and that's not even 100% set in stone. So he, he's a one-time-a-week one guy, which is the NFL minimum, and he usually is coming out on Thursday. So we haven't spoken to him as a collective media since right after that game on Sunday when emotions are high, you still have all that blood pumping through your veins, you're upset, uh, and rightfully so if you think about it based on what uh, transpired in that game, only getting the eight totes of the rock. Uh, and so... We're going into this interview wondering, is Leonard going to be pissed off? Is he going to be upset still? Because we haven't talked to him since right after that game. So you get all the way to Thursday, and you're like, well, is this still lingering? No. he, Like you said, he showed some maturity. He, he talked to all those different people. He said it was his dad who really was the most important one that he talked to, just about seeing the big picture of things and seeing really you know, how this is only a blip in the overall uh, situation that he's in. He even said, hey, Marcus Allen had a much tougher uh, scenario than I did. He had to go play fullback. 
Yeah, that is a tougher situation. What do you expect, man? What do you expect out of Leonard Fournette? I mean, because the bottom line is this team is still built on that. And while we wait for Nick Foles to get a little bit less rusty, if you will, or find his rhythm or however you want to say it, they're going to have to be able to run the football. You know, it's a six-game season for the Jaguars. And I don't know what that means. If they go 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one or 2-4 and four or 3-3, three and three, I mean, we can create all different scenarios. The bottom line is it's a six-game season for the Jags. How's this thing going to play out? And they need to start it with 27. They need to get him going. They need to... I think reward everything he's done too in the course of this offseason leading up to this year. He's carried the load. I've often said on uh, on just about every show we talk about Leonard Fournette, he feels like the big brother of that offense. And maybe that changes a little bit with Nick Foles back. Maybe I felt that way a little bit more because Gardner Minshew is a young guy playing the quarterback position. Yeah. But he still says, "Come on, ride me." I'll take you there. And that's what was so disappointing about only giving him eight carries because he couldn't take you anywhere with eight carries. But what do you expect Sunday but the rest of this year from Leonard Fournette? Sure. So when we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, and the fans may not think it, but this is a team that still has aspirations to get to the playoffs. So how do you get there? How, how do you reset the past two weeks of giving up 200 yards, just getting beat in the trenches, getting beat, you know, just physically, basically, and mentally as well, and kind of getting out coached for that manner as well. And to me, you have to establish your identity. You have to know who you are. You're this far in the season, you have to know who your identity is. And the identity is what was said during training camp. It's what John DiFilippo preached. It's what Doug Marone preached. It's the fact that Leonard Fournette um, is the guy that makes the offense go. So from that perspective, you have to get Leonard Fournette the ball. And you have to get the ball to him again and again and again. Because the only way to beat, I truly believe, Tennessee is to try to be more physical than they are. And we were talking about being physical. If the Jacksonville Jaguars somehow do win this Tennessee Titans game, it's going to be because they're physical. And you can take that physicality. You can take that mindset and take that on the whole season, and then hopefully you get the playoff aspirations off that. But you have to be physical, and if, he, if he's that, Brent, it's gonna, it's contagious, right? The, yeah, the, yeah. That type of mindset, that type of mentality, it's contagious. And if you can do that, then I think you still have a shot to make the playoffs. It, it would be if the Jaguars, Stewart, if the Jaguars, you're going to Nashville, yeah. and if the Jaguars can out-physical Tennessee after what we've just witnessed the last couple of weeks, you would say, wow. You know, and and that would show me something. You know, again, I, I'm not saying that means you're going to the playoffs or anything like that, but that would show me one heck of a response from the way they changed up practices to their mentality, to their focus on details, to their want to, to their sense of urgency, to all these kind of things. Um, you, you could you could go on and on what it would show you, but to me. Name another team more physical than Tennessee, do you think? And, and there might be some, but well, who, do you, who do you feel like? When I say physical football teams, who do you think about? I mean, Ravens, right? Yeah, so when you think physical football teams, immediately I go to the trenches. Who, who's going to be in the trenches? Indianapolis Colts, I think, are a physical football team as well on offense and defense, especially their defensive line and offensive line. Baltimore, I think, for the most part, that's kind of always been their MO, yeah. right? So they lose it a little bit sure. because of the flash of Lamar Jackson, but they but, still beat you with the power tight ends, yeah. and, they, and well, they'll get after you on defense. And keep in mind, they also, I think, right now lead the league in rushing. So I should tell you all you need to know. Well, right there, again, right? but some of the flash helps. He's got well, 700 yards true, with Lamar but, Jackson. True, but, I mean, you still have to block for him. Absolutely. So, so How I about think, Carolina Panthers? You put them in that category? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say, I mean, you know, pound the rock, or I'm sorry, pound the ball, I think is their... Uh, keep pounding. Keep pounding, yeah, has is, is always been their motto, so uh, I'll but give Carolina as well. defense, and they run the football Bill, with McCaffrey. Uh, I think the Bills. Yeah, I think okay. the Bills are another prime okay. example. So, so anyway, yeah. my point in this little exercise yeah. is to say Tennessee is in that 
They yeah. are in that conversation because they're not a flashy team. Yeah. I mean, they're not this team that will run up and down on you, that you're really afraid of in a lot of different areas. Yeah. But they want to just say, hey, you know what? We're going to beat you for four quarters, and we're going to punish you for four quarters, and we're going to see if you can hold up to it. So if the Jaguars can't hold up to that, I think they would prove something to me because right now they haven't been able to do that against power physical team. But here's the beauty of that, Brent. You know, is can the Jaguars hold up to that mentality? Can they hold up to being physical? The they did the first it, time it, they played them. They did. And the beauty is the fact that, Stuart, like, if you're Doug Marone right now, if you're the coordinators, you don't have to do extra reps in the weight room right now to get a little stronger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it is a mindset. A little more spinach. So, yeah, a little more spinach. So from that, a little more Jack 3D, if you really want to get, <laughs> yeah. get an edge, right? Watch and, the and tear a hamstring. <laughs> but, no, if you're Doug Marone, you just got to make sure that your guys are in the right mindset. You know what I mean? Well, we're getting towards the end of the season now, and guys have to mentally be there. They have to be laser-focused in. And if they can do that, then, yes, I think they have a chance to be mentally as tough um, and physical as the Tennessee Titans. Well, yeah, make them tougher, Weber. Make yeah, them he, tougher he, while you're up there. I know, right? You, you talk about trying to out-tighten the Titans is really what you're talking about. Yeah, and what they did in the first meeting is they jumped out to a 14 nothing lead, and then the defense got after him for nine sacks. They limit Derrick Henry to 17 carries for 44 yards. Can you imagine that, either of the last two games for this team, to repeat that kind of success against Henry this year in Nashville? It's going to be tough, but they have to beat the Titans at their own game, establish the running game, and let that defense get after them. And I'm going to have lots of jackets on because it will be cold on the field. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's a little chilly here. and uh, I mean, look, at Austin is, is chilly. He's cold. He's a little soft right now. Um, wow, I thought he was man. tough with the hey. shorts on and everything, but I hey, guess not. I'll tell you right now. It's cold. For, you want hot chocolate? First of all, first of all I was called a contractor today, so remember <laughs> that. And number two, I'm about... Ten feet away from throwing you over that. So just remember that as well. I, I hope you can swim. Wait till close. after all access. We need him for the show tonight. Oh, yeah. I can just take it over. It's all good. No worries. He's okay, sounds this. good. Um, and nothing said about my clothing, so I must be doing all right there. <laughs> so well, we're off to a good I mean, start. Uh, to be fair, you should make fun of my clothing because yes, I am chilly and I'm shivering. By the way, so. I can't stop taking hashtag Battle of the Sunset pictures. It's been a great day here. <laughs> I knew it would be a big Naval day for that for you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Stuart, I, I have a little advice for you, man, in Tennessee. If you got time, quick. Yes, go He's ahead. Got time. Okay, cool. So, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Hit up a spot called. Have you been to Hattie B's? Yes, I've been to Hattie B's. Okay, then never mind. You just said that like nobody's ever heard of Hattie B's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just hey, said that like hey, nobody's ever hey, been man. to Nashville and heard of hey, Hattie B's. Dude, have you been to Hattie B's before? I think I have. Oh, have you? And I've definitely heard of it. You, you think you have or you have? Nashville Chicken. We had Brent. Yes, we went together. We, did, we went to Hattie B's. Nashville yeah. Chicken? Okay. It's called Nashville Hot Chicken, though. A hot so, chicken. So let's go to. It's, Get the title right. I mean, he just said good. that. He just said that. Like you were going to educate the, everybody listening. I was. Well, Hattie B's is a place in Nashville. You know what? Hey, guess gonna, what? Nashville is also called Music City. Well, I was going to tell him to get something off the menu, but you know what? Since you ruined that opportunity for him, I'm not going to share what it is now. Thanks for jumping because in because they have off the menu items. But Thanks for ruining my meal, Brent. Yep. Austin's being kicked off this USS Paul Ignatius in a couple of minutes. <laughs> One more segment of the show when we come back at ESPN 690. Yeah, I think Coach Doug does does a great job with that. You know, just telling us don't try to just try to do your job, don't try to do over overdo it. You know, what I mean, I, I think he's he's did a, a great job of explaining that to us this week. Uh, that's Leonard Fournette. 
uh, with support for the head coach, Doug Marone. Let's see if they can get it right. We're going to talk more about the Jags, finish up a show here on the USS Paul Ignatius. We are at Naval Station Mayport. This has been awesome, and we're not done. At least I'm not done. We have the TV side of things. Jaguars All Access coming up. Calais Campbell, Chris Conley, Jeff Lagerman will join me for the show. Fox 30, 7 o'clock. See, Austin thought that he was going to kick me out of the ship and throw me overboard. Instead, I did that to him. He's no longer here. Instead, Jim Signorelli is here from St. Michael's Soldiers and uh, Fields Cadillac as well. How you doing, man? Hey, good, man. Thanks for having me. No, uh, This is awesome. Uh, you guys have been doing things the last couple of weeks with the Jaguars. Salute to Service Month. We are a big supporter of yours, and you are a supporter of ours, too. But with the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18 and what you and Kathy do for St. Michael's Soldiers and for the military here and abroad, uh, but how fun is this to be here and, and to kind of see in person the servicemen and women and those care packages that you guys put together uh, that's who this is going to. That's yeah. all your all your efforts. That's where it goes to. You know, you don't realize how young they look. You know, the older we get, you look at these kids and you're like, oh my God, these kids look so young. <laughs> yeah. And they're 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 helping out tonight, man. They're going to volunteer. They're going to pack some boxes and send them to some friends. And you know, with last week with the thousand care package event at the stadium, it's been a whirlwind of craziness. But we're having a great time for sure. Yeah, we had some video of that. Uh, you know, obviously on the TV side, we'll show some more tonight on Jaguars All Access. But a thousand care packages. You know, that's a big number. That's a lot of people helping put things in. And you know, I saw some of the the packages, and you said this a lot of times. It's the simple stuff. It really I mean, it, it might be a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's just those simple things that when you're in Afghanistan or you're somewhere overseas, uh, you get tired of those same meals all the time, and anything like that really helps. Just to let you let them know that we're, we care. You know, we do, you're over there by yourself. You're in the desert on the holidays. Just to open up. We've read letters about. I cannot believe I'm reading Muscle Fitness magazine, eating some Oreo cookies <laughs> at Christmas time, and some kids don't get anything. Man, that's just really unique. What we can do for people for not a lot of effort, for sure. Yeah. So uh, the folks overseas, the troops, uh, the men and women, the service men and women, they will get these by Christmas. Is that the goal, is to have it by December 25th? Absolutely. We try to wrap everything up by the weekend. Um, we were in pretty good shape till we got some last-minute requests. We don't like to deny any requests at Christmas yeah. time. So a couple came in today, and we had a pallet of cookies dropped off. So we're going to split those up. There's a Gold Star event down at Disney World that Gary Sinise does every year called uh, Snowball. Okay. We're going to give some to them at, uh, through Army Outreach, and we're going to get some of those out to some troops as well. This is a grassroots effort. One of the things we liked about the Action Sports Extreme 18 teaming up with St. Michael's Soldiers is we were kind of a grassroots effort. You're a grassroots effort. But people are taking notice of what you're doing, right? I mean, you're starting to meet the, the Gary Sinises of the world and uh, the Players' Championship and the Jaguars and all those kind of folks that are really saying, wow, you guys are doing some cool things. You know, it's really incredible. We, talk, we Kathy and I always talk about the crooked shelf in the spare bedroom. It was one plastic shelf and she said maybe we should do something at Christmas time and it's going to it's gonna get near four or 5,000 care packages this, this Christmas and and forty grand worth of postage and all kinds of craziness like this on an air on a destroyer at Mayport. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Uh, the post office likes you. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> they really Jim do. Signorelli uh, from St. Michael's Soldiers. Go check out all they do. StMichaelSoldiers.org.org. StMichaelSoldiers.org. And uh, check them out tonight here on Jaguars All Access from uh, the USS Paul Ignatius. Thanks for stopping by, Thanks, man. Dude. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy Bye Thanksgiving man. too. Happy holidays to you. Let's get uh, Austin back in here. I really didn't throw him overboard. He's uh, here, and so we'll wrap up a show here from Naval Station Mayport, and this has been really awesome. 
uh, to hang out. And <laughs> we watch the sun go down. It drops like 40 degrees out here on the water. Uh, no surprise. Uh, those shorts aren't doing so well. No. I should have brought you some sweatpants, although they would probably come up to your knees if I did that. <laughs> Rocking some capris. All good. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, what do you think in stay in your lane? You got it today? Oh, I got it. Coos hit me with it. Well, I hope I got it, because I'm going to need some audio from Cruise here coming up, but we'll see you during the Pump Your Brakes segment. But before we get to Pump Your Brakes, we got to start with that cruise control. Brent College uh, football comeback staff member of the year, possibly, and Chamberlain Smith. If you remember who Chamberlain Smith was, she was the unfortunate girl that got uh, knocked out, basically, on the sidelines for that Georgia-Auburn game. Oh, yeah, yeah. The photographer. Yeah. Well, check this, man. A little adversity never hurt anybody. Chamberlain Smith came out on Twitter a couple days ago and said, for those asking, I got the shot. Here it is. Uh, the last thing my camera and I saw before being tackled. I hope you guys love the photo. And then it was uh, it was at Brian Hernan. Hernan? The, the, the Harian. Harian from, uh, from Georgia. Uh, then he responded back by saying thanks for the great picture and everything. So she, she posted the picture on Twitter. And uh, she's back, man. That, you know she's what? back and she's confident. That's awesome, too, because I tell you what, in our business, yeah. not to say it's worth getting knocked out, <laughs> yeah, but it almost is. is worth getting knocked out. Okay. I mean, to see, like, I can guarantee you her passion for that, and I think she's a student there, right? Sure. So her passion for, for doing what she does, yeah. when she did find out she was okay, yeah. her initial thought was, I can't wait to see that shot. I hope I got that shot. Just oozing in professionalism, <laughs> man. I like it. Let's, let's get her internship on ESPN 690. <laughs> Absolutely. Brent. All right, pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. Uh, don't need a lot of summary here. This is literally the craziest post-game interview you will ever hear. It comes from some friends over the pond during a rugby league game. Insane. Check it out. I wouldn't hurt as much as the lads who were, who were out there, but I definitely felt it. But we got another week to to get back on the horse and take that horse to the water and you can ask that horse you can say hey horsey do you want do you want to have a drink or do you want to swim yeah and it's up to that horse to then realize what he wants to do in his life and that horse at the moment wants to go out on saturday he wants to clippity clop all the way to the stoop and he wants to say hello to those fans and he goes i'm sorry about the result last week but i'm going to give a better performance here at home against Bath. He's a slightly Irish horse. What the so world there you go. did I just hear? So there was a horse, <laughs> and then he became a rugby fan of the team, and then the horse proceeded to clop, I think was the exact term, to their fans, and then he proceeded to talk. He's so a slightly go, Irish man. horse. A slightly Irish horse as well. You know what's funny is it brings up uh, a little bit. Uh, I was talking to Kaylee the other day sure. in the car, and something happened, and uh, I don't know, but I did brought up Mr. Ed. Okay, and, yeah, and, the horse. Yeah. And like, Wilbur. You know? and, <laughs> she didn't get it. Uh, she had no oh, yeah. idea. She had no idea. She had no yeah, idea. And sure. I'm like, it's like the third time in the week I said, Kaylee, Google that. Yeah, yeah. Google that. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and at least we can say Google it now. You have to go back and watch it or whatever. For but sure. uh, it's, it is funny sometimes how that, that happens, right? That made me think of <laughs> Mr. Ed. Uh, all right, there is Stay in Your Lane. Hey, let's uh, listen. We'll talk more football tomorrow. We'll get our picks in tomorrow. Let's get it. We're actually got a celebrity surfer coming on to do some picks. Yes, sir. Uh, t- tomorrow um, with, with us. We also will have Steve Lehman from Nashville, so we'll talk more about the Titans game. Yeah. But uh, let's end the show within, in a couple of minutes with more on 
this day. This is awesome. Yeah. You know, hanging out and uh, you know, we really appreciate obviously everything uh, the servicemen and women do. It's really cool being in a military town. And we started the show saying both of us kind of a little bit ignorant. Uh, we weren't raised uh, in the military, kind of around the military, yeah. and so we're. This is more of an education, mm-hmm. and for me, it's been a 12-year education, uh, but a big-time respect for it. So uh, it was really cool hanging out on the USS Paul Ignatius. Yeah. And we're gonna come back to Naval Station Mayport and do another I show so, out here. Man. I, I really hope so, because I mean, I, I'll be honest. Like it was cool touring the ship and everything. Like I said, it's my first time ever really being on a ship like this, so that was fantastic. But really, what I'm taking away, man, I, I met some pretty cool people today, and uh, and I learned kind of what they do, what they're all about, and everything. And obviously, we talk some sports. So from that perspective, man, that was probably my favorite part of the day. But obviously, it's probably my favorite, um, you know, on on location uh, trip we've taken so far. And and here's another part of it, okay? And I understand the frustration of the fan base right now. And I was part of it on Monday and, and Tuesday, and still frustrated this week at this I think football we were all team there you know, at a four and six football team. But it does remind you. Having the show out here, Jaguars All Access tonight, what the players do with the military, and, and the questions that you got asked as a former Jags player, yeah. that it's bigger than what they do on the football field in the community. It's better if you win. Winning is important. That doesn't hide winning. I'm not saying that. But it does reach a little bit deeper. Uh, the fabric of this community is part of the Jags, but also our military and, and what kind of how they help each other. The NFL Salute to Service Month. Uh, and it's a good way to recognize that and think about that from time to time. Well put. Yeah, you said great, your friend. All right, man. Uh, this was fun. We'll be back in studio tomorrow. we got our game of the week tomorrow at University Christian, but we'll do the show in studio. Jaguars All Access coming up tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30, live from the USS Paul Ignatius. Chris Conley, Calais Campbell will join us. Thanks for joining us, everybody, from Naval Station Mayport on ESPN 690. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.